All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Starcade Media Studios for, with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? Episode 186 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy to be here with you guys and for you guys to be here with us. Whether you are live streaming, whether you are podcasting, or whether you are YouTubing, thank you so much for being here with us, guys. We have a lot of NFL sports, all well, sports in general, but a lot of NFL stuff to get to, in particular with the Chiefs. We have a game that we like to do every single week. We like to reflect on the game previous, and then obviously we guys we give you guys our our preview coming up. We're gonna have plenty of that. We're gonna have our week four week in week four NFL picks. We're gonna be handing out some L's like we do each and every week. We got a lot for you guys, and we really do appreciate it that you guys are here with us. Happy October. By the way, it's the best month of the year, as you can tell. Me and Trevor are rocking our Halloween shirts because this is our favorite time of the year. These are two of our favorite, our, our favorite franchise of horror movies out there. And I don't know if any of you guys are looking forward to that new one, man. We don't talk a lot of movies on the show. I'd love to if we started maybe a podcast for talk, sure TV, TV, and movie talk. But this is our favorite time of the year because obviously football's going, NBA's about to get back going, and of course, this is the time when uh, you snuggle up and watch some scary movies when football games are not on. But nevertheless, if you've not already subscribed to our YouTube channel if you would be so kind go ahead and go to our YouTube channel The Spoken Podcast and go ahead and like that and, and if you guys have any comments if you guys want to chime in on the show we're all about that we'd love it if you guys chimed in on the show that's what it's all about we want to have interaction hit us up on YouTube comment on there let us know what you guys are thinking about what we're talking about if there's something you want to bring up feel free to do that I'm sure you guys are obviously aware that uh, our guy Eddie Ortiz Mr. Yo 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 is not here again for the second week he is actually coming back to town, back to Kansas City, two nights. Um, we have missed him big time. He's our he's our guy. We appreciate him. He definitely is a is a piece to the the puzzle that we have to have on a weekly basis. But I feel that Trevor and I like to hold it down. We can hold it down. We're capable of holding it down, and we always appreciate our producer Clay Windler for putting all this together on the back end. And we appreciate Starcade Media for allowing us to uh, put our shows out on their platforms as well and, and and team up with them. And we really do appreciate all of you guys as well. But let's 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 get over the pleasantries for a second, man, because we got some. Hard hitting, um, hard to discuss topics that we have to address about this Chiefs team because for this last week now, we've had to sit here and stew, Trevor, yep. on a, uh, a very, needless to say, frustrating loss. And, Trev, I, guys, I, I want to put it out here real quick. I'm not going to sit here and harp on it too long. I'm just going to give you guys my take. I was on the Chiefs Concern podcast directly after the game, and I gave you guys my raw. Uh, uh, unfiltered and, and very and very uh, on the fly takes with my guy Marcus Dash and JD Jason Dunn, and I'm gonna be doing that each and every week after Chiefs games. But I've had a, a week to really sit on this one, Trevor. And I want to give you my quick thoughts, and I know you're gonna have yours as well. And let us again, again know if you guys have anything on YouTube you want to uh, chime in on the show as well as what you guys thought and saw in that game as well. But 
You, Trevor, you, you remember that that comment that I made three or four years ago when I really understood like understood what the Chiefs were going to be under the Mahomes uh, umbrella when when Mahomes took over and what I saw from this team as a whole and how I said and a lot of people you think it's a cop out but it's something I still truly believe based upon what we know about the Mahomes era is the Chiefs the 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 only team that can really beat the Chiefs on any given basis is the Chiefs. And I still believe that because that is exactly if the, there was one game over the last four plus seasons that defined that it was this week, week three against the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. Why is that? And again, I don't want to sit here and take away from anything, anything from the Indianapolis Colts. You guys know anybody that's been paying attention. Our prediction show. I said this was a game the Chiefs were going to lose because I was actually very big on the Colts. So I was trying to give the Colts credit as to why I initially picked them to beat the Chiefs. But if you watch this game, you saw that the Chiefs literally handed, literally handed this game to the Colts in more ways than one. And this is what's frustrating about this particular game. Not just the fact that the Bills lost. Not just the fact that the Chargers got destroyed. Not just the fact that the Raiders lost another game. The Chiefs could have really gained some ground on some of these AFC opponents, and they did not do that. That aside. But it's the fact that now, and it's such a weird thing... And football, sports in general, have these weird things that happen sometimes where teams just seem to have good luck against an opponent regardless of where those teams are at at that current time and place when they play. But I had that stat that our guy Nick Wright used on First Things First where going into Week 3, the Chiefs were 45-1 and in games that the Chiefs held their opponents to fewer than 27 points, which is a 99-win percentage. And the only team that had beaten them, that one loss was the Indianapolis Colts in 2019 when the Chiefs lost to them 19-13. to That was a very frustrating game, but there was context to that game. Patrick Mahomes had an ankle injury, and he got stepped on again and re-aggravated. Thank you, Cam Irving. Then we had Tyreek Hill missing. They had Eric Fisher out, their starting left tackle. There was a lot of weirdness around that game. Trevor, you and I were at that game. It was just a very, very weird vibe. That one was on Sunday Night Football as well. Just a really odd game. Now the Chiefs have lost two games like that. And both are to the Colts. And you can't say, well, maybe the Colts just have the Chiefs' number. Because one, that was a completely different Colts team. It was three years ago. And two, the Chiefs were a fairly healthy team. Now, they were missing Willie Gay. They were missing Trent McDuffie still. Harrison Butker didn't play. But let's be honest. The Chiefs' defense played insanely good in this game, so it wasn't that the defense was lacking great players and all of a sudden they couldn't get things done. Defense was good. The defense was amazing. We'll talk more about that in a second. It was the fact that the Chiefs once again just bit themselves, shot themselves in the foot. That is exactly what happened. Where do we even start here? Special teams was at an all-time low. Dave Tobe is widely considered the best special teams coach in the entire NFL. And he's been here since day one with Andy Reid. Since 2013, he's been here with uh, Andy Reid. So Andy Reid obviously trusts Dave Tobe. I trust Dave Tobe. Mm. I criticize him because special teams is supposed to never get in the way. It's kind of like an offensive lineman. You don't ever want to hear their name, unless, and, and the only time you hear their name is when they make a, commit a penalty, and then you get frustrated. You're never supposed to hear those names. You're never supposed to hear about the special teams. The only thing you want to hear about is they stayed solid or they made a big play, either on the defensive side or on the offensive side of special teams. Well, that was the complete opposite of this game because as we saw from the jump, the Chiefs' defense latched onto the Colts' offense, did not let them do anything from the jump when they deferred and the Chiefs kicked off to them. You saw you saw that the Chiefs' defense was going to do what they wanted whenever they wanted against this limited Colts' offense. 
And then Sky Moore on the punt pins the Chiefs down yeah. on the four freaking yard line. Rookie and the Colts mistake. get that's the one thing you can't do. Because one thing we know about the Colts so far this season, and they can end up being the team that I expected them to be. I don't I don't anticipate that now, now that we've seen three games of them. But maybe the Colts really end up becoming a really good team. But right now, going into that game, they weren't a very good team. Right, they're missing players. They didn't have Shaq Leonard still. He hasn't played all season yet. He's by far their best defender. Yeah. And what can't do in those kinds of games is give those teams second chances to score. And that's exactly what the Chiefs did by Skymore muffing that punt and putting the Colts right within field within the goal line, basically. And then two or three plays later, they're already up seven to nothing, and the Chiefs already are down before Patrick Mahomes even gets an opportunity to do what he wants to do. And that's the frustrating part from the very beginning is the Chiefs already were off on the wrong foot. Right. And then you go throughout the game, you see how bad the offensive line was still struggling. I gave them a, a massive pass against the Chargers because the Chargers going into that game had maybe the best, outside of the Buccaneers, probably the best front seven in football. They have Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack. I mean, they have a collection of insane talent, and the Chiefs got them on full display on a short week. So I gave the Chiefs offensive line a little bit of a pass on that one. I was expecting them to play significantly better against a good but not great Colts front seven, especially without Shaq Leonard. And it was anything but that. Patrick Mahomes was around running for his life. I think sometimes Patrick may have held onto the ball a little too long. You can sit here and ask you know, the to check it down. Yeah, you can talk about the chicken or the egg where, you know, maybe guys weren't creating separation, but according to the all twenty twos, there were guys that were creating separation. He missed MVS on that throw that would have been a guaranteed house call. That'd have been a touchdown right there. That was really the only bad throw I saw from Patrick the entire game. I think he played actually a much better game than what his score what his box score indicated. Yeah. Um but the offensive line did struggle really bad. You saw Orlando Brown Jr., who now we've heard that he does have a knee injury that he's been dealing with um, but he played horrible he did not play well at all uh, you saw the front Trey Smith I have to imagine I'm going to give Trey Smith a little credit here because of how great he was his rookie season last year he has that ankle still has to be bothering him because he was just getting bodied. I mean, JD from Chief Concerns was talking about that the entire show about how Trey Smith was just getting pushed around. You don't see that. There has to be something wrong with that, him not being able to plant with that foot. I don't know what it is. All I do know is the offensive line has not, not been anything close to what we were anticipating, to what most people were anticipating them to be this season. And it's been very frustrating. And I think they played a massive role in this. But. Two other things that I really want to bring up about how the Chiefs lost this game, and and I hate to do it, but I got to call out our guy Travis Kelsey here, and he called himself on an, on his new podcast, New Heights, with his brother Jason. He talked about how that is a gimme touchdown, and I think the sun did get in his eyes a little bit because for some damn reason the Colts have their their stadium set up to where in, in middle of the day that sun shines right through those little side pockets, and I don't understand why they do that because it looks awful where play, players are playing in shadows, and I hate when like AT and T Stadium does that for Dallas. It's really frustrating to see because I feel like it can play a pivotal role, but there are no excuses. Travis Kelsey has to bring that ball down. Because Patrick Mahomes could not have put that ball in a better place. It was a back shoulder throw because the defender was was riding uh, Travis Kelsey on the right side. So it forces yeah. Kelsey to adjust his body. The ball was right there, and Travis simply dropped that ball. If he catches that touchdown, the Chiefs are up two scores. I think with eight minutes and like 40 seconds to go, they're going to win that game. Yeah. They're going to absolutely win that game. So that's a that's a big reason why the Chiefs lost this game as well. There's, there's something else that I haven't heard enough people talk about, Trevor, that I want to bring up as well that the Chiefs have to own on is the fact they were 3-for-10 on Thursday. 
third downs. Mm-hmm. That is simply unacceptable for an offense that is as talented as they are, having the coaching staff they have, and not to mention the fact they had 10 days prepared for this game. Well, and the fact that we're usually typically one of the best third down teams. Yes, they were 9 of 20 in the previous two weeks. That's almost 50%. Well, and it's the most frustrating part is it's the third and shorts that we struggle with. Right. Because in the trenches, we cannot run the ball. That's the most worrisome thing to me is the O-line. Now, I will say one more thing, and I know, and I will clarify. I don't believe this is why the Chiefs lost, but it did play a factor. The officiating absolutely screwed the Chiefs in this game. 100%. I have been going back and forth with folks. I've been posting this stuff at nauseam. Trevor, under no circumstances can Chris Jones get a flag for that. And if you haven't seen it, if you haven't heard about it, it was a th- I think it was like a third and fourteen with five and a half minutes to highly go. Highly suspect call. Yeah, yeah third and fourteen. Highly uh, third and fourteen. Uh, f- like five minutes and some change left. The Chiefs are up. I believe it was uh, seven. No, no. Yeah, Chiefs are up seventeen thirteen, mm-hmm. and Chris Jones sacks Matt Ryan. They're pinned back. I think on like their twenty five yard line. They're gonna have to clearly punt. The Chiefs are gonna get the ball back, and the Chiefs are gonna win this game. And all of a sudden, Matt Ryan and Chris Jones are standing up, not touching each other. There's no weird body language going on. Yeah, there's no hold me back, bro. There's none of that shit. You just see them both, by the way, both Matt Ryan and Chris Jones exchange some words, a couple head nods, and then they kind of just part ways. And then uh, Sean Smith, the, the head judge, the umpire, throws the flag. And he was maybe 10, 15 feet away from the entire action, if you want to call it that. And they say it's unsportsmanlike conduct on Chris Jones, and it gives the Colts second life, just like Sky Moore did in the very first, well, it should have been the first possession of the Chiefs' offense. Just like that, the, the refs step into the game and make their name known. Just like I said about special teams, you don't want your name being brought up unless you have a house call, you know, 65-yard punt return or a kick return or a blocked field goal or something of that nature. The refs cannot put themselves in the game, Trevor. They're supposed to monitor. They're not supposed to police where they're hitting you with a billy club. They're, they're not supposed to do those things. Yeah. And unless there's something so egregious, and I and I want to throw it out there, I really hope Matt Ryan and his family are doing okay today because I cannot imagine how horrible those words were from Chris Jones and him and him and Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan exchange. I mean, I hope that, that Matt Ryan's going to be able to play this week. I, I think they, they said he didn't practice all week because of just the mental stress that he took from Chris Jones talking to him that way. I really hope Matt Ryan's okay, man, because this has just got to be really rough on him you know, for what he had to go through with Chris Jones talking to him. And it just cracks me up because, again, Trevor, the refs have to know that this stuff happens on a snap-to-snap basis. Yeah, we got dudes shoving each other in between every snap. (laughs) I mean, how many times, Trevor, have we seen when when Tom Brady and Chris Jones have faced each other over the last three years, they've gotten up and they've just chanted at each other. They've been saying shit. No flags. It's a part of the game. game. And the refs stepped in and gave the Colts second life, and what do you know? The game-winning drive is that exact same drive. Puts up the Colts 7. Now, the Chiefs could have made a stop. Their only real good drive of the day. Exactly. The yeah. Chiefs could have made a stop, but again, the momentum completely shifted. The defense was winded because they, they thought they had the game won. Chris Jones made a massive play. It's all negated, and then the Colts go in there and score a touchdown. Again, the defense could have made a stop, but I'm not going to sit here and crush a defense that, one, made the biggest stop at the beginning and end of the game, mm-hmm. and then, two, only put up third Gave, allowed 13 legitimate points to begin with. And gave Patrick Mahomes numerous times to put up points, and our offense was just not getting it. Yeah, so 
So th- those are the, those are the collection of frustrations I have because again, those are things that caused this game. It was not that the Colts played some incredible game because they didn't. I was not impressed by the Colts offense. I think their defense played all right, but I think it had a lot more to do with what the Chiefs didn't do and how they didn't execute. How horrible their special teams were. I didn't even mention the fact Trevor on fourth and ten they faked a field goal. The fact that Eric Bieniemy took the ball essentially out of Patrick Mahomes' hands at the end of the second, the end of the first half. Yeah. There were so many just frustrating decisions being made by the coaching staff. A coaching staff I give so much praise to and credit to as the best in the league. This is just an absolute clunker for some damn reason. We seem to have games like this on almost a damn near annual basis and under the Andy Reid uh, era. But that's also a reason why I'm not worried, Trev. Because I also know that this is what this team does. And it's frustrating and I hate it, but they do it like every year. We're like, how did you lose that game? How did how did you really give that game to that opponent? And it's weird that it's the Colts on a more normal basis than than it's not. But the fact remains. And by the way, AFC South. It's really weird how the Chiefs lose weird games to AFC South teams. It's just an odd thing. Mm. But the, the biggest reason why I'm not worried moving forward is because I know the Chiefs can do better. It wasn't that they got blown out. It wasn't they looked lost out there. It was the fact they just didn't execute. And I know that this team always brings it back yeah. in the Patrick Mahomes era. Trevor, they're ten and three after losses. And Patrick Holmes averages 286 yards. I think he has 33 touchdowns to nine interceptions after a loss. They're going to bring it. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. They're going to get refocused. I just hate the fact that sometimes this has to happen in order for them to really get that focus back. Yeah, I mean, I blame you 100% for picking the Colts at the beginning of the year. Um, (laughs) Regardless of bad team or not. This this is the teams that we tend to lose to, though. It's never like a team that can go toe-to-toe with us scoring points. Granted, like we can we can look back on that Rams game, but but most teams that try to outscore the Chiefs tend that's a that's a losing battle most of the time. The most most of the times we struggle, the teams that slow up, slow down the game, allow us to beat ourselves, and that's what we did. And that's the most frustrating thing because we know we know that that's a possibility. The only only real way that we lose is by beating ourselves, and that's what we did. We went out there and then we had all these blunders on special teams. Um, but I mean, I'll use an analogy. It's just like for me, it's just like MMA or boxing. You know, don't let the match go to the judges. And we let we let never should a, a game hinge on one call, one penalty, and that's what we did. We should have won this game by twenty plus points. Yep. Patrick Mahomes in this offense just did not execute right. The, we looked off from the jump. We our offense never looked right this entire game. Um, whatever points we scored was out of sheer will, uh, and we barely put up. You know, it's just a very lackluster performance overall. I think I think our defense was the best part of the game. I think our defense played really really well. Granted, I think Matt Ryan is washed right now he looks pretty washed this year um and the Colts might be a bad team moving on to the rest of the year they could be a, I mean that's a solid defense but that offense might be bad um and we let them march down and, and and you know put that game away which is really frustrating but I mean we're Travis Kelsey did something he knows and he never really does he drops it you know a pass in the end zone um a call was made that doesn't ever really typically if ever get called um in such a time you know late in the game like that so a lot of things and then you know a rookie uh, muffing the punt just to, to to put them right on the what three yard line, set them up for a, uh, early scores to change to set the tone for the game. Everything was off. Uh, you know we're on the road and a, a you know a, a good crowd, good home field advantage there. Um, it was just a lot of things that is it, it was the whole game felt off. It did not feel like a, a, a typical Chiefs game. Uh, there was no real energy in the offense, um, and it, it is frustrating right now with the way that Patrick is playing right now. He's not checking it down. He needs to be able to t- kind of reel it in sometimes. And he try- granted that testing it, testing the defense deep is always necessary. Yeah, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing the football. 
he's off on those too. So when those aren't hitting, we got to try to reel it in a little bit and try to get because we got playmakers. There's a couple times where Clyde's wide open in the flat. Check it down to Clyde. Clyde's yep. been playing very well this year. Why would we go away from him? Yeah, you know he had he had seven carries for zero yards. Right. The fact that and we're still not managed able, to score a touchdown. That's the weirdest. Well, yeah, thing. I know, right? It was just, it was a very strange and odd game, and those are the typically those are the ones we lose. We never get our asses kicked, right? The Chiefs since Patrick Holmes has been here, even when Alex Smith was here, we rarely got our asses kicked because Andy Reid's always he's we're always in the game. But when we lose games, it's really frustrating ones like this where we we had every reason to win, yeah, but we let it come down to some stupid thing, some some random thing that happens, or a you know a special teams issue or something like that, you know. We were definitely missing Butker um, this week. That was definitely a game where Butker was missed. We did had we had no faith in um, our, um, uh, Amendola to kick those field goals. Um, it, little, it was the little things that cost us this week. Granted, I'm not worried about our offense as much as I talk about Patrick Holmes needing to check it down. He's going to get it together. We always rebound well, and um, we'll revisit the film. Obviously, I'm sure Patrick was frustrated with himself looking at the film and the way the game ended You know, on the interception, which was a strange play. Risky throw. Um well, we need we need our receivers also to get separation. You know, right. a lot of guys aren't out there. I think I'm pretty sure McColl's still a little banged up. He um, is. He definitely you know, is. I think he had that ankle issue. He's still Juju needs to get it together. He had a decent game, but he needs to, we need to see some more out of Juju. Mm-hmm. Tra- Travis Kelsey can't always be the guy in, uh, week in week out. Granted, he's going to be most weeks because he's that great. But I mean, uh, when team starts, you know, teams defenses start crunching down on him and doubling him and things like that. We need somebody else to step up. Yeah, MBS uh, is. He had a few catches, maybe his best game so far this year, but he still was very, you know, lackluster. wasn't anything impressive, meaning nothing yards after the catch. Um, but Pat's Pat's looked a little shaky these last couple of weeks offensively with his throws and deep throws. I know this is a new; these are new bodies out here, um, you know, and things will catch on. But that was my main concern is the offensive line, though. I mean, in the trenches, we're not able to get short yardage to convert first downs on third and shorts. Yeah, we have more success on third and ten plus than we do third and threes. That's right. unacceptable. Right, we can't have that, man. We got and as good as this O line is, we've got to be able to. And they were we were pretty good at run blocking last year. We got to we got to get that back. I mean, they they've not, been they've been this year. Just guys aren't finding holes. Clyde, I mean, you saw Patrick Holmes literally pointing. Yeah, that's Clyde hit that. I think it was the B gap. He's like yeah. hit that man, yeah. and he, he goes and run, tries to run around the C gap, and he just gets clustered, man. Yeah. So I, I want to sure I want to respond to what you're saying because I actually you're, I feel like we're we're both making the same point in our own way from our own avenues here. We're meeting at the same place. Is Think about it like this, and I know Chiefs fans are frustrated about this game, but I really hope because I know every time you know because it's only happened fourteen times in five, you know almost five years where the Chiefs lose with Patrick Holmes. Oh my God, is there something to be worried about, guys? I'm telling you right now, until unless I'm proven wrong in these upcoming weeks. There is nothing to really be worried about. And, I, I, guys, look, I'm the dude that's been known as the hater back in the Alex Smith era in previous times, and I'm not trying to go, like, a full other side where I'm just a complete homer. But I am. I can contextualize it because as we're, as Trevor and I are both breaking this down right now, listen to everything we're talking about as to why the Chiefs lost this game. It's all fixable things that if they would have just done one of those things correctly, they win this game. Think about it. If Harrison Butker, if the, if the Arizona Cardinals actually gave a shit about their field, the Chiefs have Harrison Butker in this game. He doesn't doesn't miss that chip shot field goal. He makes the PAT. The Chiefs win. Think about it. That's four points right there. They lost by three. Uh, Travis Kelsey doesn't drop the touchdown. He makes that catch 99 out of 100 times. They win by three or four still. Yeah. Right? All these other things. Uh, they, they, the fake field goal. You kick the field goal with Butker, you get three points. I mean, we're talking about – I had the Chiefs winning this game 31-16. to 16. Yeah. Guess how many points the Chiefs would have made if they'd done these things the right way? 
31 points. It's that simple. They left 14 points on the field in that game. Hell, you can even go further if Eric Bieniemy doesn't want to step in the toes of Patrick Mahomes at the end of the first half and lets him do his thing. Who's to say the Chiefs don't score another touchdown? And bringing up the fact about Patrick Mahomes and these new weapons. See, this is, again, why Patrick Mahomes is sometimes, his standard is so high, he becomes his own detriment sometimes in the way he's viewed mm. because he's so great consi consistently that when he's not great, people start to, oh, I don't know. I mean, the, he really is starting to miss Tyreek Hill. Again, the Chiefs left, left at least 14 points on the field. That had nothing to do with missing Tyreek Hill. Patrick Mahomes missed MVS on a touchdown. Travis Kelsey misses it, drops a touchdown. Touchdown, multiple uh, special teams errors that add to the Colts uh, scoring total. That is that has nothing to do with Tyreek Hill. In fact, I had a guy on Twitter that said this to me and it made total sense. The Chiefs missed Harrison Butker far more than they missed uh, Tyreek Hill in this week three loss. Far more. Would it have been nice to have Tyreek Hill? Yes. The Chiefs probably win with Tyreek Hill on the field. But the point remains that there were things that the Chiefs could have done in this game without Tyreek Hill. They win this game handily by double digits. And again, to the whole about Patrick Mahomes being his own standard, sometimes his own detriment. I think because of the fact that they went out there week one and just destroyed the Cardinals with these new weapons, yeah. and then they had a close game with the Chargers, who a team that dedicated their whole offseason to build their team to beat the Chiefs. Chiefs still score 27 points, and then they go out there and have a clunker against the Colts. People are now looking at it and going, man, I don't know. But see, the thing about it is because Patrick Williams was so great in week one, we forget that these are new weapons, and it's going to take a while. We're still in the first month of these guys playing together. It's going to take a few games for them to really start clicking on all cylinders. But you know what? I have absolute faith that's going to happen because I know who Andy Reid and this coaching staff and Patrick Mahomes are. It's still having Travis Kelsey still very much in his prime out there. We hear people foolishly saying shit like, this is starting to look like you know the late Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers days. That's a complete overreaction. I, I don't even have to go back to history. Just look at the current. Mm. The, the fluidity of this offense is far greater than anything we saw in the Mike McCarthy-Aaron Rodgers era, let alone the end of it. I mean, the fact that we are back-to-back -back Super Bowl appearances and one game away from going to a third. That's what like, I'm saying. You don't have to go to the history. What are we talking about? Because I mean, you can go to the history and destroys <laughs> that entire take. So that's three game. That's a complete a overreaction, a complete just dumb take. That's just a dumb take. And this season's going to show that as well. you got to give them time to do that, guys. And again, once Harrison Butker's back, these special team teams' blunders are... Guys, Harrison Butker, I think, right now has the second or third all-time uh, field goal percentage. All-time. When he gets back, because no matter who you bring to replace him, it's going to be a drop-off. Yeah. But Amendola decided to shit down his leg at the worst time imaginable. In a dome. In a dome with no win, no real pr – I mean, it – it's just beyond frustrating, and I get it, guys, but I, I really hope that no one looks at this game and says, oh, God, man, oh, I'm, I'm worried, man. No, there's nothing to be worried about, guys. And again, with the offensive line, as pissed off as I am about them, and I gave them a pass in week two, and I don't give them a pass in week three, Trev, I, I have to believe that Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, and Trey Smith, and even throwing even Andrew Wiley in there. I have to believe those guys are going to start playing good mm -hmm. because those guys are great at football. I mean, they have three, four pro bowlers on that offensive line. I have to believe those guys are going to get better as the season goes on. Do I like what I've seen so far? No. Yeah. But but Patrick Holmes, to their credit, Patrick Holmes has only been sacked twice this season. So I, I'm going to give these guys some some belief here and some credit here. Do I, in the middle, in the heat of the moment, get upset? Yes. We're fans. It happens. That was an but unacceptable loss. It was an unacceptable loss. Yeah. But that loss is at the hands of the Chiefs, not the Colts. The Colts didn't go out there and just whoop the Chiefs. Right. Like you said, that doesn't happen. Yeah. The Chiefs have to literally concede the victory. 
And that's not taking, again, away from the opponent. The opponent did what they had to do to win. They took, the Colts took, they capitalized on the advantages. And they're, when, they're a desperate team with their back against yes. the wall. That was, a, that was a desperate win. That was like a playoff game for them. That's why I said the Colts you know are going to go out there and do their best. Of course. I didn't expect Sky Moore to put them on the four-yard line. Yeah, and I think, I'm not, I'm not using this as some kind of moral victory or anything like that, but um, I think, you know, one, the main thing to take away from is our defense has been really, really good through three weeks, and our offense is going to figure it out. So when both things are fi- – and our defense is banged up right now. You know, we got guys – we got starters out on this defense right now, and our, our defense is still looking really, really good. Um, you know, getting after the quarterback, Chris Jones, still played really well. Frank Clark got a sack. You know, that there's, there was things – and then Karloftis, say what you want about him. If you watch this film, he was pressuring nonstop. He's, he hasn't gotten his sacks yet, but he's helping out on the other end. There's a reason Carlos Dunlap and, and Frank Clark are looking good right now, uh, especially in that game. They both were all over the place, and Karloftis is a force on the other end. But our defense is looking good. So once the offense really starts clicking, which it will, look, yeah. it's not this. This offense is not going to struggle like it has these last couple weeks. We're going to have Patrick's going to start lighting it up once we get this thing clicking. Um, you know, and some of it, I think some of it is play calling right now. I don't. I didn't like the the game plan much. I thought it was very just all over the place, uh, play calling wise this past game. So I think that's something to take away from this game is that the fact that our defense is continuing to look really, really good. And when we, once we get McDuffie back, who was uh, not even targeted when he was playing, um, that's a good sign. So when we get a, a possibly really, really top-end r- rookie uh, defender back on this roster, moving forward this defense, and once the offense click in, I mean, this is, we're going to end this season well, man. And, and I have to address it because everyone's been addressing it, and it's been something that has been a talking point from the national level all the way down to local level to us. It, the fact that for the second time in just f- their last four games, we've seen Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes go at it. Again, it may not be as dramatic as people made it sound. Obviously, there was a disagreement, so I'm not going to sit yeah. and say they were throwing blows. They clearly weren't. It happens. That, that is something that I think is fair to pay attention to. Am I sitting here saying that there's some you know mutiny going on or that you know Patrick Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy hate each other? No, I don't believe that. But what cracks me up is, see, Arrowhead Pride dropped an article this week um, talking about this, that they have an Eric Bieniemy problem. Mm. And I made a post, and I put it out there, and I stand by everything I said, that there is a legitimate Eric Bieniemy problem here. And, I, and I'm somebody, dude, that we have this on record, I have tweets, I have video evidence of us all saying here that we believe Eric Bieniemy should have been given a head coaching opportunity years ago. 100%. I think he still deserves it because the dude has been leading the best offense over the last four years of the OC who's been calling plays. Andy Reid obviously gives it gives him the game plan, but Eric Bieniemy is the one that's been coordinating the offense. Mm-hmm. So we got to give him credit, too. We can't sit here and just bash him when the offense looks bad. We have to give him credit, too. To some degree, Eric Bieniemy deserves credit for what they put on the field on a consistent basis and for the success they've had but as i said in this offseason i thought that this is the right time for both sides to go opposite directions because to eric bianami's credit if he's trying to get a head coaching job i think he needs to get out of the patrick Mahomes andy reed umbrella to show what he can do with a team that doesn't have a an elite head coach an elite quarterback leading the way i wanted to see that for him and also i wanted to see the chiefs have a little bit more of a fresh set of eyes somebody that i think that could like like matt nagy i think that there was a reason why they brought him back he went out there had head coaching experience came back and i think he has a fresh view of what he wants to do with an offense and i think that 
Matt Nagy inevitably will be the OC for this team and potentially maybe the head coach for this team in the next few four or five years. It's possible. I think that is possible. He's only 41, 42 years old. I think he could be that success for Andy Reid. We can discuss whether that's the right idea or the right decision or not. Mm-hmm. That's for another time because I don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere anytime soon. But I do believe Eric Bieniemy is. And it's so you can't tell me there's a coincidence that the Chiefs gave Eric Bieniemy back-to-back one-year deals and did not announce it. You can't tell me the Chiefs are too calculated of a franchise to not do that on back-to-back years and tell me that he's a guy they have 100% confidence in they want to have here for the foreseeable future. If that's the case, why did you not, first of all, give him long-term deals? Mm-hmm. And why didn't you announce it? Because they announced when Matt Nagy came back as the as the Chiefs quarterback coach. They they, 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 they announced it when uh, they gave Andy Reid and Brett Veach simultaneous extensions in 2020. So if that's the case, if you're doing that, why don't you announce it about Eric Bieniemy? It's just it's all been very weird. And again, you have not seen Patrick Mahomes have those types of disagreements with literally anybody else. Well, and the fact that Andy Reid had to separate the two of them is just a bad. It's a bad look. Yeah. Like regardless of who was right or wrong in the situation, I mean, it's just a bad look for for the the, the way and the fact that we lost the way we did. Granted, look, I know how it feels to be a competitive person and be hot headed in the moment. I'm very much like that when I, whenever I played sports or in a lot of things that I do where I'm, when I'm competitive. So I get it. Being a competitive person, I can imagine being at the elite level these guys are. So when there's a disagreement between you know, the coordinator and the, and the quarterback, I tend to side with the player most of the time because that no one knows themselves more than themselves. Um, but sometimes, you know, you got to reel in. Um, it, this, is a, this is the topic that no, nobody really wants to talk about, right? The Eric Bieniemy situation because it has been a little strange and tense for the last couple seasons. Um, we did think he was for sure going to get a job somewhere, but he didn't end up getting a job. Not sure why all the reasons. Um, we can speculate on why. Um, but, you know, he's here. Um, we've, we've silently, cryptically, or discreetly brought him back here, you know, for two straight seasons under, you know, a simple contract for one-year extension, one-year extension. Um, so my trust is in Andy Reid. If he thinks he needs to be the guy to be here, but we've also seen Andy Reid keep guys around that shouldn't have been stuck in around, stuck around for more than a, an extra year or two. Right. Um, right. So you know, um, yeah, I mean, the guys like Bob Sutton, obviously, he kept around too long. So this could be another situation like that, or it could just be a simple, you know, uh, situation where you know the the game's rough right now and the offense is struggling. Pat's frustrated. You know, uh, um, everyone's you know tenses, tensions are high. So I. Well, Trevor, wouldn't you agree? Like, it, it, to me, it looks like this, and this is just my theory. I'm not going off of any real source material or anybody's giving me any real insight. I do have insight on this situation, right. but what I'm going off of is my own theory. It looks to me like, because it, it's working still, like Eric Bain and Patrick Holmes are making it work, but I feel like there are two people that have fundamentally grown apart. I feel like Eric Bieniemy has an idea of what he wants to do with the offense, and then Patrick Mahomes has a completely different idea. I know they're painting it as, well, Patrick, just is a, he's an ultimate competitor. He always wants to try to go and score. Of course. Yeah, but that's what – you both should want that. That's what makes him great, though. I, I, what, I get yeah. that you – yeah, you want to rein it in. Yeah, you want to rein it in and protect himself from himself sometimes, and I know he took a hit mm-hmm. in the previous play. I get that. I, yeah. I, I appreciate them protecting him because you know I'm team protect Pat. You know I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. My point, though, is in the heat of a game, when Patrick knows the offense is struggling and he wants to do something to get them ignited, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that's the way to do it. You know why I know that? Because he's the reason why the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Not just because he was a, he's a great player, but do you remember the most famous play of that game? Who who decided to ask for the jet run of the ch- uh, chip wasp? That's what I'm saying. I tend to follow the players' feel on those Who, who called that? Was it Eric Bieniemy? No, it wasn't Andy Reid either. 
It was Patrick Mahomes. He asked, do we have time to run Wasp? Mm-hmm. He's the one that came up with that. So no offense to Eric Bieniemy, because, again, he deserves credit for the success they have. Of course. But it's Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day that you need to trust. And that's why it's frustrating when you see on 4th and 10, they decide to not only go for a field goal, but a fake field goal and yeah. have Tommy Townsend well, throwing the ball, yeah. running the opposite direction of how he throws. Give If you're going to if you're gonna go for it, put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. Quit fucking around. Yeah. Give it to him. Well, and, and our, if you remember last year, I mean, our offense was struggling midseason. Remember, we were kind of having a little lull there. And then um, it took one little play at the end of a half or at the end of a game when, when – uh, Patrick rolled out and found Tyreek on a dart, remember? And that kind of got the – and then, remember Nick Wright and everyone was like, oh, is that the play? Because we were really struggling. We couldn't find a rhythm offensively for a few weeks there. Yeah. Um, and that play was kind of what sparked the rhythm, kind of got the got the juices flowing and kind of got Patrick back in his, his zone. Yeah. Because um, we were out of it for a minute. And, that, and, you know, and that an extra play before the half, if he hits a, you know, a deep shot, whether it scores or not, but he connects on a deep shot – you know it is like when you're a putter, when you're putting in golf, you see one go in, go in, or you're a shooter, you're shooting threes, and you see one go in. Yeah. it can just that can spawn a whole you know chain reaction of just a zone you get into. It's literally what happened against the Texans. That's what I'm saying. So that's the same <laughs> thing happened. that happens, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes get into those zones and be out of the zone as well. So this whole game was just so the momentum was swayed right off. You know with that with that muff punt, the whole game the momentum was swung. So we, I think Pat was just really trying to find one play to kind of get him reeled back in and connect with somebody. And I think that's what he was really wanting there, whether it was score or not, but just to finally connect with somebody, maybe MVS on a deep ball or McCall on a deep ball, finally connect because he hasn't really been connecting all year on those yet. He's going to, but he hasn't really caught on with those those yet. So I think that was something that he really wanted. And, look, that was my objective view when I was talking about the whole enemy scuffle. Yeah. As a fan, I don't want any hindrance with Patrick Mahomes. If someone's causing issues yeah. and someone's butting heads at him consistently, we all know whose side we're on as fans. We want what's best for the talent. And we want we want what's best for the guy that we know is going to be our guy for the next decade plus. Yeah, I don't want anyone getting in the way of that, no matter who the name is. And this is something we have to consider about when it comes to the Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coaching job. This is something that now has to be considered because you don't think for a second these NFL teams are looking at it and going, okay, does he and Patrick Holmes stand on the side? Are they in unison? I know to the media they'll say, oh no, everything's good, everything's fine. Well, apparently, the Kansas City Star thinks Patrick Holmes is. Well, we'll get to that in a second that. too, but. Um, <laughs> I think that franchises are looking at that and saying, okay, if, look, because every franchise's goal is to have two things, and the Chiefs have both, yeah. to have a top-tier head coach and a top-tier quarterback. If you're going to put Eric Bieniemy in a position to succeed, that means you're going to put him in a position to have a really good quarterback. Are these franchises looking at this and saying, oh, him and Patrick Holmes, they've been, they been they have some issues. Uh, do we really want to put Eric Bieniemy's do we want to put our, our trust in Eric Bieniemy to handle a franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future? I think that's something that these teams are maybe considering. And again, I'm somebody that wants to see Eric Bieniemy get that opportunity because I think he's done more than proven it. Because if, if clowns like Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels are getting jobs right. as head coaches, Eric Bieniemy should have gotten one years ago. Because he's thriving he's a, in Denver with that. He's roster. significantly better at his sure. job than those guys. I think Josh McDaniels is a really good play caller. But if I had to give you my confidence of who I'd rather have as my head coach, it's Eric Bieniemy. It's without question. Because nice. although Eric Bieniemy's never been head coach. Josh McDaniels has, and he sucks. So I would much rather have an Eric Bieniemy. So this isn't coming from a nasty place or anything like that. It's just putting everything together, piecing it all together, and looking at it for what it is. That's the way I see it. That's the way Trevor sees it, and I know everyone's been talking about it, and it's something that's a very hot topic, and I think it will go away eventually. But if if, if there are things like this where you can just tell that they are not on the same page, then I have to continue to bring it up and say that maybe they're just fundamentally growing apart, and it's a, and it's a probably a good idea that the Chiefs get out 
out of the Eric Bieniemy Eric Bieniemy business sooner rather than later because we all know Patrick Mahomes is going nowhere. And if Andy Reid wants to continue to win, it's going to be on the coattails of Patrick Mahomes and how he plays. And if Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes aren't seeing the field and seeing the execution the same way, then maybe you need a fresh set of eyes to run your offense. And I do believe that's going to be Matt Nagy after this season. But we'll see how that goes. But I actually want to move to our NFL picks, Trevor, our NFL Week 4 picks. There's some pretty good games. It feels like there's been great slate, a great slate of games each and every week. The NFL does really good with their scheduling. Um, I do want to start with the obviously the the London game that's going to be really early at 8:30 a.m. Central Time here in uh, Kansas City, out there in London. It's the Vikings and the Saints. Now, initially, this was a game I was very much looking forward to all season, mm. because from the beginning of the season, because I had both these teams obviously making the playoffs and being 11 win teams going into the playoffs from the NFC side. Both teams have been pretty clunky to this point, in particular the Saints. It's more do with, more to do with their injuries than anything else. I think yep. they're a really good team. They've just been hampered by injuries. Uh, it looks like Jameis Winston's not going to play in this game. It looks Andy like Dalton. Andy Dalton's going to lead the way. And it looks like there's just a string of injuries on the Saints side of things. It does look like Dalvin Cook won't be playing for the Vikings either. Michael so there's Thomas that. The Michael Thomas, thank you. That was the other injury I was looking for. Yep. Um, so it looks like there's going to be a lot of injuries to some key players in this game, which is going to lead me to believe that I think that the Vikings are going to take care of business in this this one. I think the Saints are going to keep this one close because I think Andy Dalton will play well enough mm. because the Vikings defense hasn't been as great as some maybe anticipated them to be this year. They've been good, not great. I think Andy Dalton can do enough to maybe get, get this game close, but I see this one being like a uh, at the end of the game, I can see like a, a 24 to 14 kind of game, something like that. 20, 21 to 13, something like that. It's going to be a very low scoring game. I think Justin Jefferson is going to be the player of this game. I think he's going to be the one that has a big touchdown that decides who wins this game or not. It's a tough secondary, man. It's be a tough secondary, but I think Justin Jefferson might be the best receiver in football right now. Shut down by Darius Slay. Yes, he did. He absolutely did. But he did. He did score the game-winning touchdown, though. I think it was. It was. If I'm not mistaken, Justin Jefferson caught the game-winning touchdown last week to put them up 28-21. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think that Justin Jefferson will do enough to get them this victory. I'm going to pick the the Vikings. I believe the spread right now is Vikings minus three. I have them covering that. I think okay. the Vikings win. Yeah, I'm actually going Saints here. I think. I think Andy Dalton. Because, look, man, Jameis, say what you want, he looked decent for a quarter in week one, but he has not really been good this year. Um, and that's a really good defense still in my mind. I still think that defense, the defensive line has been struggling. They haven't really been getting as pre- much pressure as they typically do. Uh, but I, t- I trust the coaching over there, um, you know, to get that defense ready against this. Because say what you want about Kirk Cousins, but this to me feels like a primetime game. It, it basically is, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a national game where everyone's watching you, just you. This is outside of the yeah. main slot. Um, and this in primetime Kirk is a thing. Yeah, he it's is true. Terrible. Yeah, he is. When all eyes on him, and now this is outside of the country. It's like not that that is a real added pressure or anything, but I just feel like this spot is a spot where the grittiness of a team wins, and I feel the Saints are the more gritty team. Um, and the Dalvin Cook injury, in my mind, isn't that it's more of a wash for me because I think Alexander Madison is arguably one of the best, if not the best, backup running backs in the league. He's very he plays a very similar style to Dalvin Cook. He's a very they almost look like the exact same guy out there sometimes, so you can't really tell the difference. Dalvin Cook's great, but I think Alexander Madison is definitely right up there with him skill-wise. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you got obviously you got Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, another third receiver uh, that's been coming around and, pl- and, and playing more of a pivotal role. Irv Smith is a solid tight end for them. Um, but I, this is a stout secondary still for the Saints, and I think they can cover these guys pretty well. I think if they you know have a, a bracket on uh, – um, Justin Jefferson a little bit. He's shown he can, you know, falter to some. I thought he was, un, you know, uncoverable, honestly. I think he's arguably one of the best, if not the best receiver in football. Um, but uh, Darius Slay kind of showed that otherwise. And they, that Eagles team kind of maybe put out a formula to kind of bracket and keep uh, Justin Jefferson under wraps. 
So I can see the Saints maybe going a similar way. But I think I think the Red Rifle, I think I think Andy Dalton can have a similar, a solid game. Uh, Alvin Kamara is playing, and uh, um, Jameis Winston doesn't really know how to play with Alvin Kamara, and it's shown in the sample size that they play together. He doesn't know how to get the ball to him in the passing game, and that's where Kamara thrives. Yeah. And uh, I can see Kamara eating in the passing game, the, the, the dink and dunk, and that's kind of where – uh, this Vikings team uh, struggles, you know, the underneath stuff. And you get Alvin Kamara going in the underneath game, he will make things happen. Um, and I think the Saints do just enough to pull off this win. I think they win uh, um, outright. I think they win more than by more than three. I think this defense uh, plays really, really well. And I think, uh, once again, Kirk on a primetime. It's not necessarily primetime, but it basically is a primetime spot. I just see Kirk here. falling flat here, man. And here I, I was. These, both these teams are uh, in this – Look at this week five as two and two teams. And here I was saying I was never going to pick Kirk Cousins in a primetime game. <laughs> it's and, basically primetime. And it's basically primetime. You're right. Yeah, the whole the whole nation, and quite frankly, the whole world could be watching this one. Right. God damn it. You're yeah. right. Gosh, you, yeah, you, yeah, you made a good point on that one. I just think the Saints need to bounce back from that. That was a terrible performance last week uh, um, against the, the Panthers. Well, so. and, and then, and then we, I want to move to another uh, an AFC matchup. It's actually a AFC South matchup. The Colts are hosting the Titans. Mm. Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. I told you guys at the beginning I did not believe in the Titans at all this year. I, I'm a big Derrick Henry fan. I like Mike Vrabel a lot. Uh, but the Titans are a team that just, to me, are just going to have no consistency whatsoever. And after beating the Raiders last week in a very frustrating fashion for the Raiders, it ended up being a closer game than it probably should have been. The Raiders ass. They were beating them. The Raiders did kind of climb back a little bit. But yes, you're right. They 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 owned up, and which is why Some I believe, time. which I, yeah, which is why I believe that the Titans going on the road to a divisional foe. Against a team that's coming off a big a big win that's big for them, you know the Colts are you know got their first win. I think that now that the Colts are getting a little healthier, I think Shaq Leonard might actually play in this game. I believe so. Yeah, I think that the Colts are going to win this game. I think it's going to be close. I do. I don't think they cover. I think it'll be a three point game. I can see it being like you know seventeen fourteen something like that. It's going to be an ugly low scoring game. I think Matt Ryan's going to get pressured a lot, even though the, the Titans still don't have Landry. He'll be out all season. I think this will be one of those games where they both know each other so well. Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. Both running the ball, possession by possession. Not a lot of scoring, field goals maybe. But I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I think the Colts come out to win and win their second straight game. This game is going to suck. Um, <laughs> I don't like this matchup at all. It's going to be boring as hell. I'm t- I would take the under on this game. Um, two offenses that are struggling right now. and um, But I think I think there's something wrong with Jonathan Taylor right now. I think the toe, he's been dealing with a toe. They've been yeah. saying toe every week. Um, and they, they've just been putting it on the injury report. But I think he's dealing with some turf toe. And we all know as a running back, that's brutal, man. Yeah. Um, that can affect your whole entire foot. It can make it planting on that foot. Very difficult, very painful. Uh, you can give him all the medicine you want, but once that fades, you know, it's just I, I think there's he has not looked like the, the Jonathan Taylor we know this year. Um, and that's supposed to be a really good O-line. The O-line has not been that great at protecting Matt Ryan. Look, I think the Titans win this game. This is the kind of game I think the Titans win. This is what it comes down to coaching for me, and I think Mike Brabel is going to have – some schemes to, to get after Matt Ryan, make him very uncomfortable. I mean, the Chiefs are doing that just, just as well. And I think this is a game where they – this is a perfect way for the Titans to follow up that, that gritty win against the Raiders. Uh, with De- Derrick Henry kind of started getting going in that game, he looked pretty good. Um, this is a stout defensive front, obviously, for the, for the, the Colts as well. They can definitely um, um, get after Derrick Henry and maybe possibly stop him as well. But I think – I'm taking Tan in the match. The QB matchup. I'm taking Tannehill in this one. I think Tannehill is he, he bounced back and played a good game against the Raiders. Looked much better than he did in that blowout against the Bills. That was just a game that got out of hand fast. Yeah. Um, the Bills are incredible. So, um, this yeah, this is this is an ugly game. Not much to really add to it. I think this is just a game where the both teams are trying to run the ball. 
Both teams are trying to do the exact same thing to each other, play good defense and run the ball, get out with a W. And I think I trust Mike Vrabel and Tannehill at this point more than I do uh, um, um, Reich and um, uh, um, Matt Ryan. So I think the Colts are bad still. I think they're a bad team. And I think the Chiefs really, really lost to a bad team last week, and it was a, a rough one. Um, I think they, I, I think the Titans are just a little bit better than them. They're both bad teams right now, but I think they're just a little, enough better. I know this is a road game. This is a home game for the Colts. But I, I just don't. I have not seen anything impressive at all from the Colts at all. Nothing impressive. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's dealing with a toe injury, and he's not doing good. They haven't been using Naheem Hines very well. He's a deadly weapon, but they have barely used him at all this year. Maybe they do this week, and he, he he's a reason they win. But I, I'm taking the Titans in a, just a drag out fight here. Then potentially the game of the week. Uh, the Eagles are hosting the Jaguars. Uh, let me just go ahead and say uh, the Jaguars are much better than I thought they'd be this year. I thought they were a year away. They're fun, man. I love the what I love what Doug Peterson's already done with Trevor Lawrence. You can see that he's he's speeding him up. Yep. He isn't you know holding the ball too long. He's getting the ball out of his hands, protecting him, and I think that's the perfect thing for a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. He's accessing all that talent that he has, and it's really shown already. Um, but I, I I think the Eagles are going to win this game. And, and the, obviously being at home is going to help, but I think the Eagles are just simply the better team. They, I think they have the best wide receiver duo in the league right now. I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I think they've just been unbelievably effective this year. And wow. Jalen Hurts right now, outside of Lamar Jackson, is is the MVP of the league. I, I really He's Arguably been so player too. damn good. Yes, and yeah. I think that's without question. Yeah. Because of the fact that he also is the only player, I think in his first three games to start a season, has, was it, 900 passing yards and over 100 rushing yards. He's incredible. Like, it's, it's stupid what he's doing. Yeah. So uh, Jalen Hurts, to me, I, I really appreciate what the Jaguars defense is. They've looked really, really good yeah. so far this season. But they haven't played anybody. They haven't played an offense nearly as good as the Eagles, and I think the Eagles are going to put that on display. I think this is actually a high-scoring game. Uh, the over-under is surprisingly low. It's 45 and a half. I think this is going to be over 50 points because I think both offenses can get it. I really do. I think actually the, the Jaguars will be one of the Eagles' real challenges this season because if you look at the rest of the Eagles' schedule, it's not difficult at all. Right. They have the easiest schedule in football, and I don't think it's going to – I think this is going to be one of their tougher games, but I think the Eagles win this game like 38-34, to 38-31, something like that because I think Trevor Lawrence and the Jags can go and get some points on this in this game. Uh, it's supposed to be a nice, nice day in Philadelphia, uh, but they're, they're six-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they do cover that, and I think it's going to be a higher-scoring game. I would love to see Doug Peterson go and get that victory in Philadelphia with his statue just outside of it. Mm -hmm. I think that the Jaguars, although they're better than what I anticipated, I'm still not ready to give them that crown as this team that's going to make the playoffs. I want to see them get through a first month of the season, see what they do, at bounce back after a, after a loss like this. And I think they do lose this week. And uh, I, hopefully they can bounce back because I'm rooting for them. I think they can be a really good team this year. But I think the Eagles are just simply the better team. And our guy, Eddie Ortiz, might be might nail that prediction with the Eagles at 14-3. and They win this game, move to 4-0. and Everything's looking good for the Eagles. Yeah, I believe I gave the Jags like six or seven wins on our prediction show. But um, I'm in on the, I'm on the Jags right now. I think they win the division. I think they finish this season and win this division. I think they've proven that the Colts are not – I mean, they goose egg them. I mean, we can talk about the Colts starting slow, but you goose egg somebody, that's a statement. Yeah. Period. Um, I love Trayvon Walker. That's my defensive rookie of the year <clears throat> pick at the beginning of the year. So we'll see how that plays out. But him and Josh Allen on the edge, man, that's a, that defensive line has been getting after people. Um, and that secondary has been playing well. But granted, they haven't – they played a banged up Justin Herbert – um, and they haven't, you know, the, te the Texans, I believe, is that who they played the first, who they played yeah, week one? the Colts did. The Colts played the Texans first week. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, this 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 Jags team hasn't really had much 
true challenge going against any elite offenses, but now they're going against one of the best teams, let alone offenses. So this that Eagles defense is going to be a problem probably for Trevor. Um, so we'll see how Doug Peterson um, schemes. He knows he knows Philly well. Granted, there's been a lot of schematic changes and coaches changes going on, and this is a whole new team pretty much since he's been there. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts is a problem for every team at every week. Um, to match up, and especially with his uh, uh, his arm talent definitely evolving over this past offseason. He's been throwing the ball very well. Um, he's not turnover prone like he was last year. He was very fun last year and put up a lot of big numbers, but he turned the ball over way too much, and he's definitely, definitely changed that, at least for now. He looks so sharp. Um, one of the best. He's up there for the MVP race this, this season. He's looks, he looks incredible. This team looks unstoppable right now on both ends. Um, so, you I mean, you shut, you shut down Justin Jefferson like that. I mean, that's a statement. That's a guy that eats every week, and you yeah. shut him down like that. And Darius Slay is – you just don't want to throw that guy's way right now. So right. this team is going to be a, the biggest challenge of the year for the Jags. This is going to be the biggest matchup for them. Um, but I do think this is a competitive game. I do think points will be put up. Uh, I think I think the Jags lose, but I think they do cover. I think they lose by less than a touch by less than a touchdown. I okay. think they keep it close. I think that's just my faith in Doug Peterson. Yeah, okay. he's shown that this team is resilient. They're going to go out there. They're going to sling that ball. And James Robinson is running his ass off. And the Eagles will allow the run. That's where that's the one soft spot that the Eagles will let you. They'll kind of play that bend don't break defense, but throwing into that secondary is scary right now. But um, they will allow you to run. So and James Robinson has been shown and Etienne. Obviously, that's a good duo. Um, he's shown uh, James Robinson showed to have home run potential. Yep. That guy's like Nick Chubb light, um, and he's very good at catching the ball. So I can see Doug Peterson scheming this game up and keeping it close. If the Jags win, I will not be so super surprised, but I'll be a little surprised. But the you know this is a this is a big favorite here. But um, yeah, I think Philly wins, but I think the, I think the Jags cover. Maybe the best game, or a lot of people are anticipating to be the best game of the week is the Ravens hosting the Bills. Uh, as it currently stands, Showdown. they still have the Bills, according to Yahoo Sports. They have the Bills as minus three favorites on the road, which means if this game was in Buffalo, they have them. They would have them beating the Ravens by almost a full touchdown. Mm-hmm. This is surprising to me, Trevor, because I think the writing's on the wall that the Ravens are going to win this game. The biggest reason why isn't even just because Lamar Jackson has been. And is, I say Josh Allen's the second best quarterback in the league, and I stand by that. Lamar Jackson has been the best quarterback in football this season. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson has been playing at a whole other level. He's playing better now than he was in his 2019 MVP season. He has MVP more touchdowns season. in like half a league. Yeah, like most he has, teams. T- I think, 10, or 12, 10 to 12 touchdowns <laughs> already. Yeah. He, he's, he's been unbelievably efficient. Mm-hmm. He's just unstoppable at this. I told everybody he's going scorch earth this year. I think we both agreed on this. Yeah. Man, you know, everyone's been talking about how the Ravens had this banged-up defense and stuff coming into the season. I don't think people realize just how banged-up the Bills are in this game. Yeah, think about this. Up. They have already ruled out three different starting players. Jordan Phillips... Uh, with a hamstring, Jake Kumaro with an ankle, and quarterback Christian Bedford with his broken hand. They have seven players question is, is uh, uh, listed as questionable with Gabe Davis, who will probably play, Dane Jackson, Dawson Knox, Mitch Morse, Justin Murray, Jordan Poyer, and Ed Oliver. Jordan Poyer, by the way, was a limited participant all week in practice. They needed him because he's their only starting uh, secondary player essentially right now. They yeah. went and signed, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they went and signed Xavier Rhodes and uh, jo- Justin Murray to the active roster this last week, and both of them are injured. Yeah, They both are already injured. So, I like the Bills, but I told you from the beginning of the season, I don't love them. And they're 2-1 and one now coming off a frustrating loss in damn near 100-degree weather in the uh, against the Dolphins. They ran like 90 plays. It's a strange of, play. Yeah, they ran 90 plays. Game. They yeah. ran 90 plays against the Dolphins and put up 19 points. Like, that's just weird. Yeah. And, and now that they're banged up again on both sides of the ball, 
coming from a hard-breaking, hard, tough fought divisional loss on the road, now going to Baltimore, a team that is just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, you had Josh Allen crying on Tua's shoulder. <laughs> exactly right. Like, bro, I mean, you're, you're talking about a team right now that is just going to go through it. And I, man, maybe Josh Allen goes superhuman again in this game and, and just and just wills them to victory. But you ha- in a game like this that also is going to have a lot of rain, supposedly, in the forecast, you're, you know Josh Allen's going to have to throw the ball 55 times in this game. Mm-hmm. And if you can't run the ball like the Bills just cannot run the ball, you think the Chiefs can't run the ball? The Bills can't run the ball. Yeah, neither can the Ravens. Though. I, the, well, Lamar Jackson can run the ball is what I'm so saying. I think he's going to be the ex. I, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm saying Josh Allen, Josh Allen has not been running the ball as effectively this year as he has in previous seasons because their offensive line has been banged up as yeah. well. I think the Ravens win this game, man. Um, I, I know it's the three. I think obviously they're going to, you know, because they're laying the Bills three points on this game. Mm-hmm. It could be close. I'm going to say it could be a close game. But I am picking the Ravens, and I'm picking them confidently in this one, mostly because the Bills are so banged up, and they're coming off a big loss on the road again. It's very tough for me to imagine they're going to travel again on back-to-back weeks and go out there and put a display up with a banged-up team. And if they do, i got to give them more credit than I gave them at the beginning of the year. I think they go 2-2 two and two going into next week. Yeah, this is this is, this is is the matchup that's the toughest to like decide who wins this one because I think it's going to be coming down who, who outscores who in this one because I think both defenses are extremely banged up Ravens defense is less banged up but they're just not good their defense has been not good their their their, their secondary has been bad and they have talent back there but their secondary has been banged up and not good and they've been they've been a sieve I mean they allowed that fourth quarter against the the Dolphins which was unacceptable performance uh to close out that game they should not they had no business losing that game and I think the Bills had no business losing that game against the Dolphins last week granted that's a tough place to go play and you're in the sun and it's hot um but Josh Allen put up big numbers that game and they just they if the Ravens kind of mimic what the Dolphins did, they'll win this game. They played a very bend-don't-break defense. They allowed Josh Allen to march down the field. They let him play underneath. He was racking up yards, racking up stats, receptions for receivers, all this and that. But when it got tight in the red zone, they collapsed, and they, they played really, really good, tight defense. Um, so they might have figured out a little bit of a formula to kind of counteract um, the Bills' scoring prowess. But I will say this, too. I mean, the offense of the Bills is banged up, too. They're missing some O linemen. Uh, uh, and I think um, Gabe Davis re-aggravated his ankle. Uh, so I'm, he's a, he's a question mark. I'm not sure if he's playing. Dawson Knox is banged up, might not play. He's questionable. So if those two guys are out, and it's just Diggs who got banged up a little bit last week as well. But I mean, I think he's fine. And you know, he's got to depend on got the likes of Isaiah McKenzie and and uh, Singletary and, and and you know guys like that to check down and maybe hope for them to you know create more yards after the catch. It's gonna be a long day for the Bills. I think this is this is a game where I think both quarterbacks just have great games. Their numbers are gonna both look incredible. They're both athletic freaks. They both love to run the ball. They both run a lot, and they both know how to get in the end zone when, they, when things get tight, and they both know how to use their bodies and sacrifice their bodies. This is a tough one. I think I think, I think think the Ravens should get the edge. I think the Ravens should be the favorites just because they're at home. But I am going to pick the Bills here. Um, I, 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 I like the spread. It's at three or three and a half. No, yeah, according to Yahoo, it's minus three Bills. Yeah. I On mean, the road. That's – damn. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that line's going to move one I more time. I still think the Bills are the better team. Um, I, I still think Stefan Diggs is going to be a nightmare matchup for that secondary. Um, we saw what he did to. I think the secondary of the Titans is better. Imagine what Mark Andrews is going to do that Bills secondary though. Mark Andrews oh, is going to oh snap. for sure. But I mean, he's really the only. He's been the only threat. And I think the Bills. I, granted, I know they're down two safeties and right Rashad now. Rashad Bateman's a boomer bust guy, and against a banged up secondary, he can go and get that big touchdown. Right. You know? Yeah, this is this is a tough one to, to, to pick, man. Uh, this is a pick em for me. Both these teams, both yeah. these quarterbacks are playing elite-level football. Uh, Josh Allen is coming off of a, a rough week uh, with that, you know, and they're traveling twice. 
I mean, he was a, it was an emotional wreck the way that game went down. They should have won that game, but they didn't get the ball spiked in time. That was, that's a that's a rough blow mentally. It's all about how you respond, and we're going to see how Josh Allen responds from this. He's been out here making nothing but enemies, kind of been a little asshole every week trying to start fights with everybody for some reason. I don't know why as a quarterback you'd want to start that. That's going to I mean you're going to start having guys targeting you, bro. If you start that shit, no matter how big you are, you got to be careful with that. Um, I love Josh Allen, but he needs to chill with that. Um, so, and he knew he'd go to Baltimore, bro. You better be careful with that. That's a right. tough place to go play. And there's some gritty dudes, nasty dudes out there. Right. They're gonna want to come for you. So, this is a game. I'm picking the Bills, um, just because I still think they're the better team. But the, both these teams are coached well. I, I have way more faith in Harbaugh to get it to figure out this matchup, get it done. Yeah. I want the Ravens to win because I'm tired of this Bills hype. I, even though I am on the Bills wagon right now, I still think they're a very, very good team. And Josh Allen's is very much elite, and they're on they're on a um, they're on a trajectory and, and, a, and a mission this year to, to you know. Make a statement, and this is it's Super Bowl bust for them. So I believe that you know they have that momentum. I want the Ravens to win, but I'm picking the Bills, and I'll take the three points. <clears throat> so we go to our next game, and this is actually going to be my upset of the week: the Texans and the Chargers. It's in Houston. Mm. If, as we recall last season, oh, and man. I know that people are like, well, it's last season; it doesn't matter. Well, these teams are pretty damn similar to what they were last season. And the Texans beat the shit mm-hmm. out of the Chargers in that, that game. In fact, wild. that was Justin Herbert's worst game of the season. Yeah. I think he threw two pick sixes, if I'm not mistaken. The, the Texans put up 41 points. I think they, they won by over 20 points in that game. I'm not expecting that. Mm-hmm. But I am expecting the Texans to win this game, and I'm going to explain why. It's a lot like the Bills versus the Ravens. And I'm giving. I'm not trying to compare the Texans and the Ravens here. I'm talking about a matchup status, player status. Well, first and foremost, the Chargers are going to be without Keenan Allen again mm-hmm. for a third week. Um, and then you have uh, Corey Lindsley, who's saying they're saying he's going to come off and play, but he's banged up with a bad knee, and that's their starting center, and that's a really good Texas front seven. Mm-hmm. Texans front seven. Donald Parham is going to miss another game. Uh, it looks like uh, the guys are questionable right now. Donald Parham and Corey Lindsley, and they're saying Parham won't play. Uh, the good news is they do have J.C. Jackson and Austin Johnson expected to play, but Justin Herbert is not getting any better. He took several more hits against the Jaguars last week. They still had him in the game down towards 28 points. They were, they were getting absolutely whooped. And they still had just or Justin Herbert out there taking hits. Brand Staley is just such an incompetent co- coach, and that's another factor to this game. Is I actually have more faith in Lovey Smith at this point than Brandon Staley as a head coach, and I'm not trying to be a mean guy. Football, I'm being serious. Bre- Lovey Smith has led a team to the Super Bowl as a head coach. Brandon Staley competitive every week. Yeah, Brandon Staley has a losing record as a head coach, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna even uh, try to go down the coaching list. I think the Brand Staley is just—he's uh, incompetent as a head coach. But more so, if you look at the way these teams have played so far this season, the cart, the the the, the Chargers have not been scoring points at all. They're 16th in the league in scoring at 19 points a game, and the Texans aren't far off, only scoring 16 points a game. So neither one of these offenses, in my eyes, are going to score a bunch of points in this game. But also the fact that the Texans' defense is 12th in points allowed. They're averaging uh, 20. They're only allowing less than 20 points per game. The Chargers are giving up 28 points a game. That's 28th, 29th in the league, rather. Right. So. Uh, rush yards, neither one of these teams good at running the ball at all. Uh, yeah. The Texans are 27th, and the Chargers are dead last at 32. So uh, the time of possession thing is going to be weird. Um, the only advantage I'm going to give the Chargers, outside of obviously having Justin Herbert, but he, again, is banged up, is the third down efficiency. Mm-hmm. The The Texans are the worst in the league at 25%, and the Chargers are 15th, so they're right down the middle. But the Texans have more sacks this season, 7-10, to 10, and they have more interceptions as a defense, 4-3. to three. So, man, I, I think the Texans are going to surprise some people. I I think right now the Texans are a minus, or the Chargers are a minus six favorite on the road, which means that they people would just assume they would just whoop the Texans at SoFi. Mm. I 
because of the fact that the Tex the Chargers don't have a real home foot advantage and the Texans surprisingly have a good fan base, I think that they're going to go out there and feel real juiced, real jacked, really really poised because the Texans also knew they 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 really messed up a couple of these last games. They should have beat the Bears last week. Yeah, that was they bad. blunder after blunder and they should have beaten the Broncos but blunder after blunder. They could not get things going on the offense. I think Davis Mills finally has a really good home game. Not great, but it's a good enough game. Year, He's been bad this yeah. year. That but I think this, good, this, this is that one game where they feel like they have the mental advantage because they whooped the Chargers last season mm-hmm. and the Chargers are so banged up and they don't have a head coach that can rally them and get them focused. I think the Texans pull away this victory mm-hmm. and I think they win a very close game. And I, in fact, I'll say this, they win the game by a field goal, walk-off field goal. Okay, yeah, so yeah. If I'm betting this game, I'm picking the Texans with the points, but I pick them to lose because I yeah. think they will lose by less than a touchdown. I don't think the Texans are they're, they're going to be competitive. I just, I, I'm just i putting my money on Justin Herbert bouncing back from that embarrassing loss. Like He got his ass kicked by Jacksonville. He, he's not going to be right all year. Yeah. So I'm not too big on the coach. Not putting, I mean, keeping him out there on a blowout is, is absolutely asinine and stupid. That made no sense. You pull him out of that game, but I mean, he's going to have to start and he's not going to be 100% for the rest of the year. His ribs are never going to be right. fully. He's going to need a whole offseason to recover from this. I and mean, we've had numerous guys that have dealt with that injury talking about that. He's just going to have to deal with that for the rest of this year. It's unfortunate, but that's a pain, that's a pain management kind of thing. Um, I'm picking the Chargers here. I think this has got to be a game. You talked about the running game. This has got to be a game where they get Austin Eckler going. He's way too good. I know that O-line's not very good at run blocking at all. Get him involved in the passing game then. He's so good with the ball in his hands. We've seen Eckler have elite seasons. He's, he, his numbers are insane for his career. He's on pace to be up there with the greats. You know what I mean? But he, he's, he's done, he has not done jack this year yet. they got to get him going. I know Keenan Allen is out, but I do like Joshua Palmer, uh, who's, who's that, the, the, guy, the second-year guy for them. Uh, he's, he's, good. he's been a good fill-in guy for Keenan Allen. Uh, has similar skill set, really good route runner. And they still have Mike Williams, man. You know I mean, that's a tough matchup for any secondary. I think Mike Williams is a, a, just a force out there. He's yet to really, really have a big pop-off game. Uh, he played really well against our secondary, and I think our secondary is better than than uh, um, Texans. So I could see Mike Williams having a big pop-off game here. Um, Justin Herbert's going to be – I think he's going to be really, really motivated to after that embarrassing loss. Uh, and obviously the coach catching a lot of heat for putting him in that game late when they're getting blown out is uh, something he wants to bounce back from as well. And I, th- I just – regardless of the coaching, I'm coming – this is this comes down to um, – the offensive weapons and this the the absolute uh, lopsided talent at quarterback here. I think Justin Herbert absolutely goes out there and gets his jump. I think it will be a competitive game though. I do think I think the Chargers win by three. I'm with you on that. I think it will be close, but it's gonna be a low scoring. I would take the under, um, but I do think um, I do think the Chargers finish this game. They have a couple more games I want to get to, and this is actually the AFC AFC West interdivision rivalry game. Uh, that I, I, I really am looking forward to because both of these teams to me are just not good. Uh, the Raider, the Broncos visit the Raiders, Ugh. and I believe this game, if I'm not mistaken, is a 3:25 game on CBS, so most of us will be able to watch it. Uh, the Raiders come in at a two and a half point favorites at home. The over under is 45 and a half. Mm. Trev. Neither one of these teams are good. Like I said, yeah. I don't. I don't believe in either one of these teams. I had these guys. Uh, I had the Raider, the Broncos at third in the division. I had the Raiders at fourth in the division because I thought the Raiders are going to be awful. And what do you know? They're <laughs> the only team that have not won a game this season so far. And the Broncos, I I'll give it to them. They're two, two and one. one. Somehow. Yeah. I get that. They're two and one. They've also had three of the easiest games Thanks of the season, G, and they survived the them. Yeah. yeah. The, the right now, right now, the Broncos have the worst offense in football. Terrible. On prime time at home. 
They put up 11 points. And the only reason they had 11 points is because Jimmy G decided to tap dance in the back of the end zone and then throw a pick on the same play. There would have been a pick six. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So they actually, they actually did, did, they actually panned out pretty well, considering at one, going into that final drive for the Broncos and Russell Wilson, to his credit, did have a really good drive to get them that last touchdown. At before that drive in that game, Jimmy G scored more points for the Broncos than Russell Wilson did. The yeah. Broncos had three points in that game before that before that safety. So that's how bad the, the Broncos are. And they're not going to be getting any better. Because they don't again, when I talk about coaching, it's it's very imperative we bring that up. Nathaniel Hackett does not know what he's doing. He is not a good head coach. Yeah. And if the Broncos know what they're worth, they'd fire him immediately, but they're gonna probably wait to the end of the season. And Russell Wilson is no longer what Russell Wilson once was, who was a really good quarterback back in the day. He's no longer that guy. This Broncos offensive line has not been nearly as good as people thought they'd be. Their defense is good, but here's the thing. When you face Geno Smith, Davis Mills, and Jimmy Garoppolo, your defense better look good. Right. Well, now they have their first real challenge because to Derek Carr's credit, he's a good quarterback. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. He's been terrible. He's not been good this season. But I have to imagine that a team that is 0-3 – Knowing they have a divisional foe coming into their house, and knowing if they go 0-4, they are 100 percent done. I think they're already done, but they're mentally telling themselves right now, we can still get we can still get this. We can climb back. We have all the talent. talent. Yeah, yeah, they have so much offensive talent. I mean, their defense sucks. I, I don't think their defense yeah, is good at all. Bad. But I think their offense is finally going to click in this game. I think the Broncos defense is going to get exposed a little bit in this Oof. one. I think Russell Wilson is going to struggle again, even though he's playing a bad defense in the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to win this game, and I think they win it by a full touchdown, Trevor. I think this will be the game of the Raiders. You see it. Derek Carr going to the press conference. Yeah, man, we just decided to go out there and, you know, just put put our heads into the ground, you know, and just execute the proper way. Got Devontae Adams, you know, praise Jesus. You know, like, you know, I, I really think this is going to be that game where Derek Carr goes out there and finally puts together a good game. I don't think, dude, I don't believe in the Broncos' defense as much as other people do, especially without Isaiah Simmons still. I think that's finally the game where you see Devontae Adams go out there and get a two-touchdown game. I think this is it. Their house is going to be packed. There's going to be a ton of Raider fans out there. Broncos fans, too, because they travel well. But this will be that game where I think they finally get it together. I see them winning, um, you know, 24 to 13, something like that. Because, again, I don't believe in the Broncos' offense. I don't think they can score, Trevor. I don't think they can score at all. And I don't think going on the road against a desperate team is going to change that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Raiders tend not to like to put up much points either. Granted, they've been putting up points, but Derek Carr has been horrible, man. He's got three times as many touchdowns of as Russell course, Wilson. But a lot of that is coming garbage time. Dude. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Their that's asses fair. kicked week in, week out, and the team's kind of let up. And the, I will say, yeah, Derek Carr is definitely the better thrower of the football right now. Um, he's always been a good thrower of the football, but he this he's had the this might be the worst start to his any season of his career yeah. right now. And he just got Devontae Adams, the best receiver arguably in football, which is they're letting me down. The Raiders have let me down this year. I had them winning eight games this year, and that seems like a very long shot right now the way they're playing i'm picking the broncos in this game just simply because of the defense i do believe in their defense they got they're getting guys back um that defensive line has yet to really go off on a game they they, they got after jimmy g and they're, they're good at getting um pressure with four um they, they get pressures they haven't been getting as many sacks but that secondary is good uh they're getting guys back like i said jerry judy is another week to get a little healthier i think i I think Russ kind of found a little bit towards the end of that game against the Niners. He, he was a little bit more vintage. He was using his legs a little bit more. Uh, had some nice throws downfield. And I think – I still think Russ is the better quarterback between the two. I do. I know he struggled, and I know – but, I mean, we have a sample size for a while now that Russ has always been the better quarterback between those two guys. Not, not, not that there's a, a massive difference, but for the past few, few years, he's still been the better guy, and I think – I think they have the talent offensively, and I think if the Broncos can get this running game going, they have very talented running backs. I think if Javante Williams, you know, really gets it going and that O line figures it out, 
the, both these coaches, I mean, they're suspect. Both these coaches don't really know what the hell they're doing, and that's that's been proven. So that's kind of a wash for me. Yeah. This really comes down to how the 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 Raider the the Raiders offense does against the Broncos defense. That's the story of this game, this game. Because if that Broncos defense is clicking, the Broncos are going to win. Yeah, I just, because that means the Broncos only need to put up fourteen points. You look at the you look, remember the Week One game uh, against the Seahawks and how juiced that Seahawks team was to get a win over Russell Russell yeah. Wilson, and then you saw they had two prolific star receivers and uh, uh, Lockett and DK Metcalf, mm-hmm. two star receivers. And Geno Smith at one point in that game had more touchdowns than incompletions. Right. I look at this now, a desperate Raiders team at home, just like the Seahawks were, with a much better quarterback, yeah. with prolific star receivers, when Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro should be back. Uh he, he should been, be he has, he has been practicing. Okay, then maybe but, he will but, be there. But, uh, Matt, Collins, Matt Collins has been and He's been them. really good. Yeah, he's been a real surprise. So let's throw him into the mix. Okay, I'm not really going to call him a star yet, yeah. but he's been an X factor. I think that you're going to see a similar type of performance from Derek Carr in this one where you see him have multiple touchdowns early in the game and then it forces the Broncos to try to create offensively because you know the Broncos, the only way they're going to be successful this season offensively is they get the run game going with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Well, Melvin Gordon can't help but put the damn ball on the ground and I don't think that you're going to see them have enough close games to where they can run the ball a lot because I don't think their defense is as good as they've looked because, again, they've played three bad offenses in succession. The Raiders' offense is better than how they've looked. I'm going to give them credit because they're just too talented. That's why I picked them to win eight, at least eight games. Yeah, I think they're going to be a, a much better offense. The reason why I'm not believing the Raiders because I think their defense is equally as bad. And I don't think the Broncos' offense is, is good enough to even make that Raiders' defense look bad. Yeah. I, I, just think, I just think that's how it's going to look. I think that the Raiders are going to win a game. They're going to get back on track, or at least they're going to convince themselves. Game, but guess what the Raiders get after this? The Chiefs. Yeah. So, <laughs> Dude, they could, they, could be kind of, they could be a 0-5 oh team. It legitimately could, yes. But Which I don't think they awesome. will. I think they get one victory, and I think it's this one more so because of what I don't believe the Broncos are, yeah. as opposed to what I think the Raiders are. I just well, and, and I don't believe in the Broncos whatsoever. It's, it's similar. It's similar to uh, um, you know how the Colts were against us. This is a desperate team that needs a win at home. You know, at I mean? home. Yeah, I agree with you. I, yeah. I think that's this is this is not going to be a game. This is a picking for me. I yeah. just think I just think if the Denver defense is playing well and that they can build off that last drive offensively. Because both these ta- offenses are talented. Yeah. You know, I mean, the talent is fairly equal, honestly, offensively. I think they have the better – I think the Denver Broncos have the better running backs. The the receivers are talented. Obviously, they're not Devontae Adams, but they're they're up there. I mean, Waller could definitely go off against uh, the suspect safety group uh, so far. They have not been the best, but their corners are good. Um but I think if, they, if that defensive line gets after Derek Carr, it's going to be a long day for the Raiders. I want the Raiders to win just because I, I, need, I, don't, I picked them to win eight games and they should get on the win column here so we can beat their ass the next week. But this is a team that's staring down 0-5 in my mind. Well, yeah, it doesn't get any easier when you go to the next week, go to Arrowhead on Sunday night football. Yeah. So that's going to be a blast. Yeah. they got to win this home game, though. they yes. got to take care of the And Broncos. I think that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, and then the final game I want to get to is the Rams host, or the 49ers hosting the Rams. Uh, the Niners right now are a one-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under at 42-and-a-half. I actually think that over-under is way too high. Yeah. I don't think this game is going to be high-scoring at very all. very competitive. The 49ers right might have games. the best defense in the NFL. They might legitimately have the best defense in the NFL, yeah. if not top two, top three. This, this defense is phenomenal, and that's the only reason why they've been in games this season so far. Yeah, they're really good. Yes, they're very, very good defensively. And Jimmy Garoppolo, to his credit, and I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo at all. I don't Fresh. think he's a starting quarterback in this league. To his credit, though, the first game he starts with the team that he has not been practicing with all offseason is in Denver, a, a team that was desperate for a victory in prime time. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's how it's going to go this time. And here's the other thing. People are saying, because we've had friends text us earlier, even today, about Trent Williams being gone. 
significant loss. Let's not pretend like it's not. We know Trent Williams is the best left tackle in football. That's massive. That's a massive loss. Yeah, well, the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo last year beat the 49er or beat the Rams mm-hmm. 27 to 24 As without Trent do. Williams. So I typically wins those games. Yeah, and he owns the Rams. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. He's lost one time I think his entire career against the Rams. Yeah, he has McVay's number. I think the Rams win again this this week. I think it's going to be a very ugly close game. In fact, I think the, I I don't know if either team scores in the 20s in this game. I can see this game going like 17 to 16 or 19 to 17. It's going to be an ugly low scoring game because both these teams know each, know each other so well and as much as I love Matt Stafford, he has not looked good this I think he already leads the NFL in interceptions again. Mm. Uh, Allen Robinson's been an absolute bust to this point. They're putting way too much emphasis on Cooper Cup. And with the Niners' defense being as stifling as they are, I think they're one of the few defenses that can actually like shut down Cooper Cup. I think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to limit because the Rams can't run the ball either. I think that's what's going to happen. Debo's a tough matchup for yes, that secondary. Yes, thank you. And I think the, the Niners' defense is going to be the difference maker in this one. A home game, a get-right game after losing a frustrating 11. Was it 11-9 to nine or 11, whatever, whatever the score score it was, was last week, scoring, eleven yeah. to ten, I think it was. Yeah. They're going to get a get right game, an ugly victory, and get back on back on the saddle and win a close one. Yeah, uh, I, I like I like this matchup. This, these games are always typically really really tough matchups between these two teams. They know each other very well. The coaches know each other very very well. The personnel and the rosters know each other very well as far as a, a talent perspective goes. I, I like the Rams in this game. It will be close. I like the Rams in this game simply because of the loss of Trent Williams. Um, I think you know this this defensive line. I would actually like this. I would actually like the Niners if if uh, Trey Lance was playing in this game. Okay, yeah. because his his mobility. Um, because we all know Garoppolo is a statue back there. Yeah, and no, and you get you lose your you lose the best left tackle in the league, and you got Von Miller coming off the edge, and then uh, uh, um, Aaron Donald coming up the middle. That is well, it. no, that, Von Miller plays for the. But oh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Miller. But you got uh, Aaron uh, Donald and well, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. Yes, Leonard Floyd. That's not, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. A very good, stout defensive line coming yeah. after you, and you lose the best left tackle in football. Yeah, that's just uh, man. That's a that's a matchup in hell for real for me. So I I think the Rams win this game, but I think it is close, and these games are always competitive. But I think I think that loss, and I think that Jimmy G is just in my mind. I think he's garbage. I always have. Um, but if Trey Lance was in this game and he can use his mobility and run and get and evade that pressure, that and I think Garoppolo is going to be under pressure all night long in this game. Um, I'm picking the Rams simply because of that. And I think Stafford's probably going to have his woes, too. He's probably going to throw a pick or two like he typically does. But I think he has enough, and I think uh, this offense gets enough off of this. Um, I know this Niners defense is stout, but both these defenses are going to be getting after each other. I just trust Stafford to find a way to win more than I do Garoppolo. So that's why I'm going there. Jesus Christ. Did we? I think we only agreed on one one game. I think it was the Eagles and Jaguars game. Yeah. Good. And we did not talk about this before the show. Let me just yeah. put that out there. We did not talk about this before You've the show. You've yet to win a week and pick, so. <laughs> I feel good about me. <laughs> hey, David, you got one, all right? We got three weeks in. I I, I rallied. Like, last year, I was terrible for, like, the first five weeks, just like the Chiefs. Man, and then Eddie, I rallied. Eddie's beating, us. Eddie's beating us right now. He is beating us, a little fucker. Um, so we are going to move on to the game of the week for us, obviously, because it's the game that we know that everybody that's watching or paying attention or listening to the show is here to talk about. It is the Chiefs visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let me, let me first of all say that, this weird. This has been a really weird week. Not just because of the fact that the Chiefs are coming off a very frustrating loss that they handed themselves, but and I don't want to be a guy that uh, pretends as if I'm you know some expert weatherman or anything like that. But this this week's been really weird, Trev, because as we all know, Hurricane Ian or Ian, however you want to say it, has hit 
the Florida Gulf uh, Coast really, really bad. Yeah. Um, we know that Fort Myers in particular and areas south of Tampa took the the brunt of it, and it just got absolutely destroyed. And I, I, my heart is genuinely with those people, the Floridians out there, because as we know, I think there's right now as it currently stands, over two and a half million people mm-hmm. are without power. And that's not mentioning the people that have lost their homes, lost their lives, lost loved ones. I mean, it's bigger than the game. It's much, much bigger than football, which is the biggest reason why I was confused as to why the NFL decided to stay there in Tampa Bay for this game. Now, according to the reports that we've seen, and we've had some mixed reports, but according to the reports that we've heard and seen, Tampa has enough of an infrastructure to supply power to the Raymond J Stadium and make this work. But what's weird about this whole thing is half of the city, or was it, I think it was like two-fifths of the city, did not have power as of Friday. And they have all these workers out there trying to use all these resources to get power back to that city and the surrounding cities. And it's just kind of odd to me that we're using resources to get this game going in a city that probably won't even have half of their fan base show up to the game because half their fan base is probably trying to get power back in their homes. It was a very weird thing, especially when you had other facilities that could accommodate, like Minneapolis. They could have played this game up in Minnesota, and they'd have been just fine. And a lot of people I know were saying, Lance, you just don't want to see a home field advantage for the Buccaneers. Honestly, I don't give a shit where this game's played because I'm picking the Chiefs in this one. I'm going to explain why. But I wanted to put that out there first and foremost that I just, I thought the NFL really dropped the ball on this one because I would like to believe there was a series of tornadoes surrounding uh, Arrowhead and there are all these homes and all these places were absolutely destroyed. I would like to believe that the, the, the NFL would maybe consider moving this game for the dangers that are surrounding what's going on and how the surrounding area is kind of going through a travesty. Right. I don't know, Trevor. Maybe that's just me, but I just wanted to put that one out there. But nevertheless, <laughs> the NFL has decided to to stake their flag in Tampa Bay and, and hold this game down in Tampa Bay, whatever the case might be. I'm going to keep this really simple with this one, Trevor, uh, because both teams are dealing with their own series of injuries. The Bucks significantly worse. But if we look at the injury report right now, it looks like Mike Dan is not going to play for the second straight week. It does look like MVS is still dealing with that abdomen. He was a limited participant on Friday. He is questionable for the game. Uh, we know that Harrison Bucker did practice in some regard, limited participant in practice this week. He might give it a go. I'm not anticipating he will, yeah. but he has been giving it a go, which is a good sign for moving I'll forward after this week. Um, yeah. Ronald Jones is the notable one. Uh, he has been. He had an illness uh, throughout the week, but was a full-time participant on Friday. Why it's noteworthy mm-hmm. is because of the fact that I think this would be a perfect game for Ronald Jones to get into, as my guy J.D. from uh, Chief Concerns had mentioned immediately after the Chiefs-Colts game, that it is time for this to happen, and I could not agree more Tell me, man. because the run game has been struggling so bad for the Chiefs after week one. And Ronald Jones, to me, as we've been, I've been saying, and Trevor, you, I think you agree with me full, wholeheartedly, that I said from the beginning of the season when they acquired Ronald Jones that I think he is the best, most complete running back they have on this team. And I'm a Clyde guy. I'm a Isaiah Pacheco guy. I'm a Jarek McKinnon guy. I like all three of those running backs. But he gives them something they don't, none of those running backs have to this point. I think Isaiah Pacheco has some of the attributes that Ronald Jones has as a bigger running back. Yards after contact. But we don't know what Isaiah Pacheco is going to be as a running back to this point. He's too busy running out of the back of the damn end zone and kickoff. So that's already pissing me off. I think Ronald Jones, with the added motivation of playing against his former team that he played very well with, by I might 
might add, helped them win a Super Bowl, I might add. I think that he would be a great acquisition to this offense this week and moving forward to give them another option, another effective option, another efficient option in the pass and run game. I think that would be a really good opportunity for Ronald Jones to get out there, but we'll see if that actually even happens. He might be a, another healthy scratch, but we'll see how that goes. But the biggest thing for me, Trevor, in this game, because, again, the Bucks are absolutely struggling offensively. They're only averaging 17 points a game right now. If I'm not mistaken, looking at the uh, the third down conversions. They have three touchdowns on the year. They have three touchdowns in the entire season, three offensive touchdowns. Yeah. Their third down efficiency percentage right now is 28th in the league with 29%, whereas the Chiefs are 12th with 40%. That's considering how horrible they were last week. Right. The Chiefs are a much better team on third down conversions, which is where this game is going to be decided, in my eyes, Trevor. This game is going to come down to third down conversions. The Chiefs were really bad against again last week. But through three games, like I said, the, the Bucks have been worse than the Chiefs have been all season. Again, the Chiefs converted 30% last week. The Bucks are converting 29% on the season. Mm-hmm. Which, with, with Tom Brady showing his age... With the Bucks' offensive line and offensive weapons still so banged up, I mean, Chris Godwin and uh, Julio Jones are game-time decisions. I don't even know if either one of them are going to go. We know they got Mike Evans back. But even with Mike Evans in week one, they, they put up 19 points against the Cowboys. And Mike Evans, I think, right now has over a little over 100 yards and a touchdown on the season. So he's not even been great. Against the Saints, he got shut down as well. Um, I, I don't have any reason, based upon these factors, Trevor, to believe that this is the week that the, the Bucks' offense changes their ways. Especially when you consider the fact they're going against the Chiefs defense that despite what my guy Shannon Sharp said on Undisputed on Friday, is a very, very good defense. In fact, the Chiefs have a top 10 defense when you consider that although they are right now currently allowing 22 points per game through three games, there is context to those those points. Because here it is. 14 of the Cardinals' 21 points in Week 1's game came in the fourth quarter when the Chiefs were up 30 points. Mm -hmm. Garbage time. Seven of the Chargers' 21 points in Week 2 came with a minute left in the game, and the seven of the Colts' 20 points in Week 3 were literally hand-wrapped and gifted to the Colts via Sky Moore, muffing the punt and pinning the Chiefs down the the four-yard line. That's 43% of the Chiefs' points they've allowed this year. 43%. That's why it helps to watch the games. Exactly. And if you look at the fact that the Chiefs right now, uh, in comparison to the Bucks defense, which, by the way, is insanely Elite. good this year, the Chiefs only have one fewer sack. The, the Bucks are third in the league in sacks with 11. The Chiefs are fifth in the league with 10. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs' defense has been has been insanely good this year. Their, pass, uh, their uh, p- points allowed per game, the Chiefs, again, 22 to the Bucks' 9, but contextualized, it brings it down to the Chiefs' average, allowing around 14 points per game. So both these defenses have been elite in, in points allowed. The Bucks don't blitz very much. I mean, we should have more sacks than the, than the Bucks, though, honestly, because we blitz a lot more than the Bucks do. They play, get there with four a lot. Well, the Bucks do uh, uh, blitz ninth, ninth in the league. They do, really? yeah, they're ninth in the league in, in blitz. Uh, blitz percentage. So we know that Todd Bowles likes to send the dogs. And when you have linebackers as great as he has, it's understandable why you do that. But uh, points scored per game is is the biggest factor in all this. The Chiefs average 12 points per game more than the Bucks do. That is the ultimate factor. And again, I want to reiterate, Trevor, when people talk about how they're worried about the offense going into that or after that week three game, please don't be. This offense is going to be just fine. Am I expecting... The Chiefs to score a bunch of points this week? No, because the Bucks defense is very good. But as we saw the last time, Patrick Mahomes had a healthy offensive line against this Bucks defense. Which, what did he do? Oh, that's right. He threw 478 yards and three touchdowns. Pretty good. 
Uh, Tyreek had like 200 receiving yards in yeah, the first 269 to be honest so, so I, I, there is context to that as well my point though is is that Patrick Holmes did whatever the hell he wanted to do against this defense even as great as they were back in 2020 which you can make the case was even better back then than they are right now he devastated that defense now I do believe there are still growing pains for this offense but again when I look at the third down rates and I see that even though the Chiefs were bad last week the Bucks have been horrific all season. And you can't say it's because they've been missing Mike Evans because, again, he's played two of the three games so far this season. Mm-hmm. And the and the Bucks still played just as bad in those two weeks previous with Mike Evans than they did against the Packers last week. They can't even line up on time without getting to delay a game penalty on a potential game-tying two-point conversion. <laughs> the that offensive would, line is terrible. At, at home, no less, yeah. against the Packers team. Let's be real here. The Bucks defense played really good against the Aaron Rodgers last week. Dude, the first three possessions, Rogers scored on back-to-back opening yep. possessions, right? That's, the, that's yeah. And then they fumbled on the one-yard line. Yep. They would have been up 21. They would have been up 21 points. <clears throat> so the first three drives, the Packers are doing whatever they want. No offense to Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers and his offense. They do not compare to what the Chiefs are as an offense right now. No they offense are, to them. They are who they are. They're just, They're just not very good right Duncan now. Duncan and a yes. nice throw downfield every once in a while. The Chiefs have a significantly more talented offense than the Packers do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried whether the offense is going to move the ball in this game. Are they going to score a bunch of points? No. But in my eyes, Trevor, if the Chiefs score over 20 points in this game, they're going to win this game. Yeah, if Romeo Dobbs is going to go out there and ball out against the Bucks secondary, I mean, Travis Kelsey and Juju better go out there and have a field day. Right, and, and again, let's contextualize this. The Chiefs have only allowed, like I said, about around 14, 15 points, legitimate points per game this season. That's with Trent McDuffie missing two and a half weeks, and he looked insanely good against the Cardinals. Didn't get and once. they didn't have Willie Gay last week against the Colts, who's been maybe their best linebacker. Well, Nick Bolton's by far their best linebacker, but Willie Gay's been really good this season so far. This Chiefs defense is for real. Are they going? I, in my opinion, Trevor, I think they're going to make a much bigger statement against the Bucks offense than the Bucks offense will against the will against the Chiefs defense. I think the Chiefs have advantages on both sides of the ball when you consider the matchup on the other side. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Chiefs defense has nearly as much of a challenge on the opposite eyes as the Bucks defense does against the uh, the, the Chiefs offense, even though the Bucks defense, in my eyes, is better than the Chiefs defense. The Chiefs offense is significantly better than the Bucks offense. That's that's what's going to be the ultimate factor series, third down conversions on both sides of the ball. But I'll say this before you get to your thoughts, Trevor. And I hate to be that guy. I really, really, really do. So I know people are going to crush me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I truly, truly believe it. I'm really worried about the officiating in this game. I really am, dude. In fact, I'm more worried about the officiating in this game than I am the Bucks. And that is, I hate doing that. I really, really hate doing that because I think this game is won and lost by teams. Mm-hmm. But man, we saw this in 2018 when the Rams had those fires. In, in Los Angeles, and they had all this moving, you know, and I, and I support all that stuff, you know, the donations and, you know, all this stuff, the relief, because all these people lost their homes, and it was it was horrible. It was horrible what was going on in Los Angeles. And then you saw just the home cooking, man. Horrific penalty after horrific penalty. The damn uh, 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 umpire, the head umpire, was winking at Jared Goff when Andy Reid's pissed off on the sidelines when Jared Goff is walking towards him, talking shit, and they're winking at him like, it's okay, we got this, and just absolutely jobbed the Chiefs in that game on those those calls. Ironically enough, that was Bill Bill Vinovich. You know who's headlining this game, Trevor? Bill Vinovich. I'm really worried. We're seeing Tom Brady on Twitter, you know, uh, posting the donation... uh, uh, links and all this other stuff, and there's like this big movement going on for Tampa Bay, which is why I think the ultimate reason why the NFL decided to keep the game there is to utilize that as a platform to get those donations out there. And again, I support it. I'll probably donate money to it. 
I'm just very worried, man, that in a primetime game like this, we're going to see some horrific calls because we already know. Mm-hmm. We already know how this goes with Tom Brady. He already gets that benefit of the doubt, and you cannot deny that because in the matchups the Chiefs have had, they've had five matchups of the Patrick Mahomes era with Tom Brady. You know what the difference in penalties is, Trevor? 40 to 23. Yeah, I've seen you post that. 40 to 23 in five games. Surprises no one. The Chiefs have almost averaged 10 penalties per game against Tom Brady. There was a game in 2018 in the Week 6 matchup in New England where the Patriots got zero penalties. Zero. You can't tell me you couldn't have caught one offensive alignment holding in that game. Give me a damn break. It was 5-0. to zero. So the Chiefs have had 17 more penalties in their five matchups, playoffs included, against Tom Brady in the Patrick Mahomes era. That is, dude, I'm telling you right now, that worries me so much more than the Buccaneers outscoring the Chiefs in this game because I don't think they can. I don't think that the Buccaneers have the offense that can score with the Chiefs. Even as good as the Bucs defense is, the Chiefs are going to find a way to score over 20 points in this game. I just, I'm very, very worried we're going to see some bad, bad, Bad penalties. They're going to give the Bucks a serious advantage here. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But if they're if this if this game is officiated evenly, Trevor, I think the Chiefs win by a couple scores. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you with the the calls. I mean, but I'll say that with the I'll agree with that with the caveat that the Chiefs are already on high alert with penalties because of how the game ended last week with Chris Jones. So I think all the guys are going to be. I think that's something they probably harped on really heavily in the in the practice leading up to this game. Is you know watch for those kind of penalties. Don't make stupid. Uh, regardless if you're in the right or wrong or it should have been called or if it was validated or not, keep yourself from those situations. Um, I think that's – I'm glad that kind of happened in a way. The fact that, you know, this is a game where you, the calls tend to be swayed towards Tom Brady. It's just a historical fact. Um, so I think the fact that we had to deal with that Chris Jones call might kind of put this team on high alert coaching-wise and, and personnel and player-wise uh, to be very alert on those things and not have stupid um, unnecessary roughness and – you know, unsportsmanlike conduct kind of things happen. Um, there's always going to be those phantom holding calls and things like that or roughing the passer that's going to, you know, you, you touch Tom Brady's nipple or something, they're going to give you a call. So, um, yeah, this is, a, this is a similar matchup to the Colts game. Um, the teams are very similar. They're very bad offenses right now, but very stout defenses. Uh, this defense is even better than the Colts, uh, and they're at home. So, the, you know the Bucks are going to want to run Lenny. They're gonna want. They're gonna want to run uh, uh, Leonard Fournette out there and, and try to get him going and try to balance out this offense and take deep shots with Mike Williams every once in a while or Mike uh, Mike Evans every once in a while. Mike Evans scares me. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we struggle against those big body, speedy, kind of fast and tall receivers like Mike Williams and Mike Evans. Mike Williams ate us alive. Um, was eating our guys alive. But granted, the coverage was there, but those tall guys like that, it's just a tough. It's a tough matchup for any corner. Um, and Tom Brady's got a great deep ball. Uh, if he gets a chance, and granted the O line sucks, so it's, it, it's up to our defensive line to get pressure on him, not give him time to make those throws. Um, but I can see, you know, the vintage Tom Brady offense. You know, run, 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 set up the play action, and then take a deep shot with Mike Mike Evans, and then it's a wrap. That's that's tough. You know, he's tough to cover. So if we if we contain Mike Evans um, and get after Tom Brady, you know, uh, we can allow Lenny to run here and there. Uh, you know, play a little soft in the middle. If he gets, you know, a few yards here and there, let Lenny run every once in a while. But just don't get beat over the top by Mike Evans. I'm good with that. Yeah. Don't let Tom Brady get those those play action plays because um, that's when he gets rolling and that's when that offense is tough. But they've yet to show that this year. So I don't believe in them yet until I see it. And our defense, I believe in so far. I think we were going to get after him. I think Chris Jones is a very much a, a response game from what he did. I think he felt he cost the game last week, and I think he's going to carry that weight into this one. So that's great mo- momentum and, and motivation for him. Um. I think this is the game where uh, George Kaloftis gets his first sack. I know you called that last yeah. week, but I think this is the game. I think this O-line is horrible. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be a game where um, 
He get, he gets in there and uh, you know Tom Brady's gonna be worried about Dunlap because Dunlap has kind of been the guy on film, really really popping off on the edge. Um, and he's the, he's been the guy that's really been collecting the sacks so far. But I think this is a game where he gets off the Schneid and and, and, and gets his first na- uh, sack um, on Tom Brady. He's been collecting sacks as well. So um, yeah, this is this is a, this is the, my main thing, man. I just want to see Patrick Mahomes be efficient. He we all know what he can do. We all know how great he is off script and the play breaks down. And there's gonna be pressure. But this O-line and this offense has got to show me something. I'm tired of seeing the last two weeks of this O-line is getting obliterated. This is the this might be the biggest challenge of the year right here for our O-line. Yeah. And, and, and then we got, we got uh, what's his name? Shaq Barry out there calling our offensive line out, saying he don't see much different. Bro, if that doesn't pump your nads, if that doesn't get you stoked and ready for this this matchup to go out there and show who you really are, you know, Creed Humphrey and, and – and, and all these guys, you know, go out there and really, really show who you are. Joe Tooney, you're paid the money, man. Go out there and show. He's been playing well. He's probably been the brightest spot of all of them for the most part. But, you know, Orlando Brown, you want to bet on yourself, buddy? Go out there and bet on yourself and show us what you are and show us who you are. And you want to be here and be the guy that protects Pat for years to come? Show us. This has got to be the week where you guys show us. Protect Pat. Allow him to make plays. Pat, go out there and throw the right throws. If nothing's available deep or, or across the middle or anything, check it down. Right. Get it to Clyde. Get us to McKinnon. These guys can make plays in space. Block downfield. Travis Kelsey, catch the damn ball. We know who you are. We know what you've done for years. You respond. That's all I'm asking for this offense is just respond and be who they are. Offensive line, be semi-competent, man. Be who you are. This You were arguably the best, if not the best, offensive line last year, all season. I need to see that out of these guys. I need to see the dog come out of these guys. I expect our defense to come out ready. I'm not worried about our defense. I think our defense is going to really get after Tom Brady. I think we're going to pressure him all day. That offensive line is really bad. Um, but if we contain Mike Evans, get up to Tom Brady, and our offense is what we know they can be. They have not been for the last couple, couple weeks, but we know what they can be. And we and the, and the weakness of that, that Buccaneers defense, they've allowed scoring, I think, on the first two possessions, uh, within the first two possessions every week. Yeah. They, they start off slow. So if we can go out there and get up two scores early, to me, that's a wrap. And, and I don't see them responding and coming back from that. Let me, let me put this out here real quick. Two things that I want to put up, and then I want to get our, our, our key players of this game. And our uh, overall prediction of the game and how who wins. You know, as great as the Buccaneers' defense is, and guys, I can't stress it up. They've been insanely good this year. They're only, like I said, allowing like nine points a game. Yeah. And they're top uh, ten in every stat pretty much when it comes to sacks and it comes to yards allowed, everything else. But as great as the Bucks' defense has been, the Chiefs are right behind them on defense. Think about oh, yeah. it. In rush yards, uh, the uh, Bucks' defense has only allowed 238 rushing yards on the season. The Chiefs only given up 22 more. At 260. And then when you look at pass game, when it looks when it comes to pass yards, the Buccaneers have given up 629. The Chiefs have given up 682. That's 53 more passing yards on the season. Mm. And we put up more points, so teams tend to chase yeah. us more than Yeah, and that's less than 20 more yards per game in the air. Right. So as great as the Bucks deep and again, the the sack difference, Bucks eleven, Chiefs ten. And the Chiefs have faced overall really good quarterbacks this year. Obviously, uh, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and then Matt Ryan, not a great quarterback anymore, but he's a capable quarterback. Really good line, supposedly. Exactly. Yeah. So let's give the Chiefs some credit here. And again, I don't think any either one of these offenses are going to get anything off the ground game. I don't think they're going to run the ball very well at all. I would, I would be shocked if they both combined for 100 rushing yards. I don't like the fact that he's coming off a loss to Aaron Rodgers, and I know he doesn't want to lose to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes back-to-back, oh, back, so they're going to come out ready hey, to perform. But. I don't want to be 5'9", but here I am. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's, there's a lot of things we don't want that we end up getting anyway, Trevor. So that's yeah. the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think it, either one of these offenses are going to get anything out of the ground game 
substantially out of the ground game. Uh, maybe in like you know goal line plays here and there. But I don't I don't expect that. So who am I trusting more to throw the ball successfully in this game? 45-year-old Tom Brady with a banged-up offense or Patrick Mahomes at 27 years old who's pissed off coming off a, a road loss he gave that other team with a plethora of weapons. I still think this team is more than capable of scoring at a high level with these weapons that they have. They have no excuse yeah. not to score points well, because, to the Bucks' discredit, they have a defensive-minded head coach running the way, and the Chiefs have a progressive offensive-minded head coach leading the way, which is why I'm trusting the Chiefs in this and one. And when with that point, I, I need to see Andy Reid come out with a good game plan and a good script to open the our first couple possessions, I do not want to have three and outs our first couple possessions, let alone our first possession. We need to go out there and get on the board for our first possession. Which is what leads me to the key players of this game. Trevor, I'm going to start with my two. Mm. And my first is going to – it leads to what you just said. It segues from what you just said, but it's not a player. It's Andy Reid. Mm. That's my first because of the fact that after a loss like this, knowing who you're now going up against, knowing what this game means mm-hmm. – for legacy purposes, and not to mention the fact that you can't afford to lose another game and hope the Bills lose another game. It's also the fact that I think that Andy Reid is... is This is what I've been putting faith in him this whole time. Going into this season, before the season ever started, I said coaching is what's going to separate the Chiefs from everybody else. Coaching and head, and, and quarterback. I believe Patrick Williams is going to have a good game in this week. I don't think he's going to have 500 yards and five touchdowns, but I could very well see him having anywhere from 280 to 330 passing yards and three touchdowns. I could literally see that because the one thing I think that you can beat the Bucks in is in the pass game. And if they decide to blitz Patrick, that's that's their grave right there. Yeah. That's their that's their death note right there. So they better not blitz. And in fact, I think that uh, Todd Bowles is going to take a step back and try to play that cover he's eight. Played, but I like it because well. this offense, the Chiefs offense, is built to play underneath now. And I think Patrick Holmes is going to be a little more, a little bit more patient in this game and not to try to have those big 60-yard bombs in this game. I think that he's going to try to cut them a thousand times to kill them. I think Andy Reid is going to have this team focused, ready to go. I think Dave Tobe, the coaching staff, all these guys are going to be focused and have this team with a great game plan going on the road against a big, worthy opponent. And I think He's my biggest guy on that one. And the second guy on my on the defensive side is going to be Justin Reed. I think Justin Reed is the guy that's going to make a big play against Tom Brady. I think he picks him off in this game. I think there's going to be a play in the middle of the field where Tom Brady's going to be driving, and it looks like the Bucks can get some momentum going on the offensive side. Pressure coming from either Chris Jones, Carl Loftus, whoever it is that gets in the backfield. Look, Jerry Sneed's been balling out this season. Maybe it's a, a, a safety blitz that, you know, uh, Spags likes to mix those in every once in a while. Pressure, pressure, Tom throws an arm punt, Justin Reed gets it, and it just kills the momentum that the Bucks have in that game, and I think the Chiefs are going to benefit off of Andy Reid's leadership as the head coach, Justin Reid being this big offseason acquisition to replace Tyron Matthew. I think he stakes his flag as that guy, as that new fan favorite, makes a big, big play in this game defensively and shows why this defense and why this team as a whole needs to be taken seriously. Those are my two key guys in this game. Trevor, who are yours? Yeah, so offensively, Juju started kind of getting some rhythm going last week. Um, It was good to see him going because the week before that he was a no-show pretty much. Um, I like his matchup in this game. Granted, I know as, as stout and as strong as his secondary has been, he's a guy that's good at getting separation. He's he's and he's he's good at finding plays over the middle in those soft spots sometimes of the defense. So if they play if they play a little bit of his own, I think he's going to be able to be a, a guy that uh, um, Patrick's going to find over the middle a couple times, and he's going to create some plays. And I think he scores. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that finally gets into the end zone. He needs his game. I think this is a great opportunity because I think that defense is really going to be swarming Kelsey. Grant Kelsey's probably still going to eat, at least get you know 60 to 80 receiving yards, maybe a touchdown possibly. But I know that defense is really, really going to be focusing on, especially the safeties. They're really going to be honing in on Kelsey, trying to keep him out of the game because I think the league thinks if you stop Kelsey, you stop this offense. And I think that's going to be that's going to be leaking uh, uh, opportunities for for um, 
for Juju here. And if MBS doesn't play, I think you know, Watson might get some play. We'll see how that goes. But I think this is a Juju game. I think Pat really makes an emphasis to find him over the middle a few times up the seam, things like that, uh, uh, to get him more involved. Because uh, I saw that later on in the game last week, and I think he looks good. He's good. He's got to get him the ball. He's very good with the ball in his hands. Uh, not the fastest guy, but he's, he's slippery, and he's good, at, and he's very strong. Uh, so I think that could be a mismatch there in that secondary and uh, on the soft spots of that defense. Defensively, it's George Kloftis. I think this is the game, like I said, I, I think he gets a sack here. Um, I would like him to get a sack and a half or two. That'd be great. But I think he gets that sack, this, this his first sack of the season here. He's been getting the pressures. He's been looking really, really good. He's been living in the backfield a lot. Um, just the other guys have been feeding off of that. So I think this is where this offensive line is so broken right now. I think Tom Brady's a statue. He's been a statue his whole career. He's not a guy that can evade pressure very well. Um, so I think George Kaloff just finally goes in there and gets it. Uh, and I'm going to be very happy when he does. So you have Juju and George, and I have the reads. I yeah. like it. Trevor, who wins this game? I'm taking the Chiefs 21-17. to 17. Okay. I think it's going to be a close game. I, I don't – 17 is a, is, a, is a push for that Bucks defense, but there is always garbage time, and I see that being the play. I think we'll be up by at least 10, and they'll, they'll, they'll be – you know, they'll have a, a late touchdown that doesn't really matter because we're up comfortably by double digits, and they end up making it look closer than it was with the Chiefs 21-17. Yeah, I have the Chiefs uh, under right under their scoring total this year. I have the Chiefs winning this game, and I do think – I'm going to take it a little step further, Trevor. I think the Chiefs win this game by double digits mm. because of the fact they are just they are the better overall team with a lot riding on this game because I think this game matters more to the Chiefs than it does the Bucks because the Bucks not only play in the NFC, but they're playing in an NFC South that has been – I was big on the Saints this year. I'm still going to hold on to that, but this NFC South is horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Panthers are an absolute disappointment. The Falcons play good, but they're not a good team. You know That makes sense. Like They play well for like three and a half quarters and end up finding a way to lose. That's the kind of team they are. Right. Um, I, I think the Bucks know that they, they're playing with – house money this season they can still afford to lose a couple games like that not that they're going to go into this game like that but the Chiefs have a lot riding into this game because they can't afford to lose games at any magnitude no matter if it's an AFC or NFC opponent I think the Chiefs go in there as focused they have been all season since at least week one I think they go in there and they score 27 points and I think they hold the Bucks to one touchdown Mm. I think they I think the Bucks score 16 total but they only get field goals I think they're going to get one touchdown a couple of field goals but I think the Chiefs are going to be the ones that hold that, that, that ride the momentum of this game throughout I think the Bucks. I think the Bucks offense is going to continue to struggle. I have no reason to believe they're going to turn it around against a tough, tough Chiefs defense like they are. Because this Chiefs defense is the best is the best they've had in six years. Mm-hmm. I really believe this is the best teams defense they've had in the Patrick Mahomes era. Which is which is a surprise, man. Because I I remember when we first started you know talking about this in the offseason leading into the year. That well, there was going to be some mistakes in this defense. Some of these rookies were going to let us down. It hasn't really been the case. No, not at you all. You know what I mean? McDuffie's down right now. That sucks. But, I mean, he was looking this good. defense has hit the ground running. Yes. It's been the offense has kind of been a little underwhelming at, uh, at points. And our defense has been so stout. And, and kudos to Spags. Yes, I just want to say absolutely. Spags. He's got these we young criticize guys. him. He's got these young guys in the, in the right place at the right time making plays. His defensive line is He's adjusted. There. He's Chris adjusted. Jones has been like, you gotta give, you gotta give. You're right, Trevor. you got to give Spags credit here because we've known he's always been the guy that's been so stubborn on and hell-bent on holding on to veterans. Like, yeah. Well, Ben Neiman and Dan Sorensen, I know what I'm getting out of that. And they're just getting destroyed out there. Now he's got these young, more athletic guys, more impressionable guys yeah. that he's utilizing, and it's working. Yeah. It's working. Look, Jerry Sneed looks like he's taking the next step. He's been great this year so far. Chris Jones is through three games last year, Trevor. Yeah. Through three games last year, the Chiefs were giving up 32 points per game. Mm-hmm. We're giving up over 160 rushing yards. They gave up seven total rushing touchdowns through three games last mm-hmm. year. This year, they're giving up 86 rushing yards. They're only allowing 22 points per game. But again, that's contact. We know yeah. the context to it. And they're only, they've only given up one rushing touchdown. 
Think about that. We're getting pressure. And they're we're playing an offense, yeah. and now they're playing an offense that can't run the ball. Right. So I, I well, think the Chiefs are going to really try to. Lenny's, they're going to try. Lenny is dangerous, but, but Nick he's Bolton, also banged up. We should have talked about Nick Bolton because I think he's going to be a massive he's factor every again. Guy, though. He's racking up he's tackles unbelievable. and making big plays. Yeah. I think he's going to wreak havoc on that run defense. I think Chris Jones is going to make Tom Brady's life a and living I think, hell. Yeah, I, we failed to mention that play that he had against Jonathan Taylor last Man. week. Man! Jonathan Taylor tried to jump over the line. He's like, nope. Just stop Jonathan Taylor. Push him back. Like, that's that easy to do. Incredible, dude. Yeah, yeah, so I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And, and again, I'm, I'm I'm contextualizing it because if there's home cooking and we're getting horrific flags again, the, the Bucks could win this game. Yeah. But I think if it's called evenly, if it's called fairly, if Bill Vinovich decides to have a good game as a ref, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game handily. I think they win this game by 11 points. I'm going to pick the Chiefs wins 27-16, to 16, and we'll see how that prediction looks. Trevor, we have one more order of business to get to. What is it called? Hold this L. L. Each and every week we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Whether those L's are friendly L's or not so friendly L's in the world of sports, we promise you who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports deserve those L's in the world of sports. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding the L for you this week? All right, so all my Kansas residents and anybody who even lives outside of Kansas can have to, have to pay some respect respect to what the Jayhawks are doing in the football world right now. Um, the 4-0 uh, just came off a, a pretty, a really impressive win against uh, North Carolina. Um, game was a little closer than it looked. North Carolina came back a little bit towards the end, but uh, KU was running that game the majority of it. Um, 4-0, right? And they're making they're making a splash in the, in, in the football world and collegiate sports right now. Um, pushing, they're tied for the best record in, in college football right now. Um, but for some reason, both the coaches poll and the AP poll uh, decided not to rank us yet. Um, there's there's teams that I feel that are lesser than that are ranked right now. Granted, because they they have a more notable name and they're a bigger school, so you know, and they've been here and done that. Kansas is here. You know, we're I know we're new here, but we're here nonetheless. We are four and zero, respectively, right? I know we got some big games coming. We got a big one against Iowa State today. That one, that one, that would, that's going to be a statement win if we go out there and pull that off. Um, and I expect us to. I think we're the better team. I think we have more talent. Um, it's nice, man. It's nice having KU football playing at this level. You know what I mean? If we if we get eight wins this year, that's going to be. I mean, I'm going to go nuts out here. So, um, but if we don't get ranked after this, if we win today and we don't, we're still not ranked. I mean, you can go look at Twitter, man. All the a lot of the talking heads in, in, in college football sports were all over Twitter were. You know, the, the the word was cowards. You know, rank Kansas, you cowards. It was all over Twitter, and I love it. Uh, everyone outside of the actual polls are giving us our, our due. And uh, I think I don't understand why there's no reason outside of us just being new here. But like I said, we're here nonetheless. You can't deny us. We're still we're here. There's no reason to rank teams that are, in my mind, are lesser than. And they have less – their records aren't as good and so on and so forth. But for that, I just want to give, um, you know, the, the quote-unquote – coaches poll and the AP poll, you know, regardless of how much credit you give those, I mean, you can watch the games for yourself and, and tell me what the product looks like. And it's, and it's been very impressive so far and they have every reason to be ranked, but if it, and I think we'll make that statement after we beat Iowa state today. Um, but for that, the coaches poll and AP poll for not ranking Kansas and being four and and splashing onto the scene and being arguably the most impressive team in football so far, as far as what the expectations were. Yeah. Do me a solid favor and hold, hold this L. L. So, uh, I do want to first and foremost say, uh, give out a W, uh, to a couple of people. One, I want to give a W to, uh, to attack by Loa for fighting through this horrific event that he had, man. I don't know if you guys missed it. I, I can't imagine you have to this point, but, uh, uh, Tua Tagovailoa suffered two gruesome 
uh, head injuries over the last this last week, and he's fought through it, and he's already uh, getting through concussion protocol, and I just want to give him and his family a W right now because I cannot imagine trying to put myself in that position. He's either him or a close family, relative, friend, whatever the case may be, teammate. Because they have to, able to play football they, again. Yeah, they had, to keep play, they had to keep playing after that when they're carting him off the field after that. He's doing the fencing posture where your hands just basically lock up. And it just it was horrible, and I'm I'm just glad he's okay. So I wanted to put that out there because we haven't talked about it yet, and I figured that I might as well put it out here on the episode that we wish two of the best, and I hope he can get and back. Kudos on the field. to those Bengals fans; they're out there yeah. ch- chanting his name. Yeah. That was pretty powerful. That man. was pretty powerful, yeah. and I I appreciate them as well. I also want to give out a W to a couple baseball legends, Albert Pujols and uh, Aaron Judge, for both having historic milestones uh, take place this month. We saw that Aaron Jones obviously hit 61, tying uh, Roger Maris for the most in Yankees history and in major or AL history. Uh, I think he will break it. I think they have like six or seven games left. I think he will get that to 62. And I'm really, I really appreciate being alive while that happens because obviously we weren't it's around. Incredible. Roger Maris did it. Yeah. It was cool to see his uh, son there. I have a, a take on his son and what he had said afterward, but I it's it's cool to see the 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 handing basically the passing of the torch uh, take place in front of you and I and Albert Pujols obviously getting to seven hundred home runs and then getting to seven hundred one last night. Yeah. Man, I think if, if he if he gets to like seven hundred two or seven hundred three before the season. If I'm the Cardinals, I ask him to come back for one more year and try to go after Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth's at seven fourteen. Yeah, Albert Pujols has had a really good season. He's gotten over twenty, what twenty five home runs this season at mm-hmm. 41, 42 years old. Bring him back. The fans are going to love it. DH-ing Baseball him. would love it to see him try to get Babe Ruth. Oh my God! I mean that that would just be insane, man. To to get Babe Ruth at number three all time. I, if I'm Albert Pujols, I do it. But I wanted to give those guys a, a W. I, I didn't like, and I'm not. It's not even really an L, but Roger Maris's son. At the end of the when they did the acceptance thing and they had a pro, the pre, the post game and all this other stuff, he was saying stuff about how this needs to be the real record in, in baseball history. Uh, that sixty one should be the real record and that baseball should do something about it. Roger, they have already done something about it. Nothing. Because it's a legitimate record what Barry Bonds has, what Sammy Sosa has done, what Mark McGuire did with the 60-plus home run seasons. If it isn't, then why are they still in the record books? Yes, baseball is hypocritical as fuck. Their writers are hypocritical as all as all get out that they don't have these men in the Hall of Fame. But you can't tell the story of the game without Barry Bonds. You can't tell the story of the game without Mark McGuire. You can't tell the story without Sammy Sosa. Those guys are titans in the history of baseball. And it's hypocritical because, again, as I've said so many times on this show, baseball will sit here and crucify these guys and use them as a prop of, 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 of grandstanding or moral high grounds or whatever the baseball wants to do. But yet they raked in billions of dollars off of these guys. And baseball had never been and never will be again as popular as it was in the time those guys were doing what they were doing. Barry Bonds is the greatest player in the history of baseball, whether people like that or not. He's also the greatest home run hitter in the history of baseball whether people like it or not so his records will stand and baseball even knows that as dumb as they are at times they know that so roger maris jr i appreciate you and everything bro but you might want to go have a seat because you're just making yourself look dumb in a moment that you should be praising aaron judge for what he's doing not bringing attention negative lights and negative attention to something that didn't need that it's just absolutely ridiculous to get out of the way bro. you don't gotta bring someone else down it's to, ridiculous to bring someone else up it's yeah where my L is going is about as obvious as it gets, and it's something Trevor briefly alluded to before, and I'm glad he let me have this platform and opportunity to do it because I'm going to do it. We all know that paper, the paper industry, newspaper industry are all dying because we've moved to digital, we've moved to everything online. And so we know 
that we also live in a time when everything is about clicks. Everything is about saying something that's going to get people's attention. And it's gotten so bad that people now in both the newspaper industry and in the clickbait industry have gone so far as to sell their soul and their integrity for said clicks. And it hits right here in Kansas City. Therese Paler, Sam Mellinger, Joel Posnanski, even Jason Whitlock led the way for the Kansas City Star for a long time. And they were the big fish in this very small pond for a very long time. In fact, as long as I can remember, the Kansas City Star was where you go to for great stories, breaking news, whatever the case may be when in, the, in, the, in the sports realm and here in Kansas City. You went to the Kansas City Star. And how far they have fallen so badly that yesterday at 5.40 a.m., which is not coincidental whatsoever, the Kansas City Star posted an opinion piece from some dipshit. I'm not going to give his credence or his name out, but he's from Illinois. They posted an opinion piece that has the caption, quote, He's a great quarterback, sure, but he only cares about how he looks, not his team. The Chiefs' Patrick Mahomes always keeps eye keeps his eye on what he cares about most, himself. And thanks to my guy Real Bird Lawyer on Twitter, he posted, he because he did the click for all of us, so we didn't have to do it. He has a little snippet, and it's not even a big, uh, I think it's like 75 total words this guy puts into this damn thing. But this is the part that uh, our guy Real Bird Lawyer put out there. This is the this is the piece that we, everybody needs to pay attention to. In this article it says, he puts the I in team. After watching the Kansas City Chiefs for the past two years, I think it's clear that Patrick Mahomes is not a team player. He doesn't care if his team wins or loses. All he cares about is how he looks. It's beginning to look very obvious. He's a good quarterback, but really doesn't care about his team as a whole. Does anybody out there follow like The Onion or like Ball Sack Sports or any of those like satire pages? Because that is literally what you would get out of that. Because those pages bank on something that is so ridiculously stupid. And we all know we can just sit back and, he- and put our heads back and laugh at Because it's so much, yeah, it's, it's clearly comedy. That is literally what this is. But no, the Kansas City Star decided to use this as actual journalism. And it's funny that they have guys after Brittany, Brittany Mahomes, Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' wife, his agent, his father, his, uh, his, his uh, godfather, all these other people have come out and directly attacked this article. We have people on the editorial board of the Kansas City Star coming out and saying, well, it's just an opinion piece. Motherfucker. This is not something you should put on your platform because it is egregious, it is disgusting, and quite frankly, it is fucking dumb. Do I even really need to attack this? Do I really need to go into this and say why it's absolutely ridiculous that somebody, anybody would ever put this opinion out there? And if it's some jackass on Twitter or social media, no one's paying attention. But the the once great Kansas City star puts this on their platform, which means they're condoning this type of ignorance, this type of foolishness. And they're doing it for one fucking reason. To get clicks. Desperation. That's how bad it's gotten for the Kansas City Star, who used to have Therese Paler, Sam Mellinger, Joel Pesnanski. used to have some of the greatest writers in all of American sports. And this is what it's come to. I want to play something in response 
to this article. Two things, actually, I want to play. Because it's important to me that we get this across. And it's important that people know what Patrick Mahomes truly is if they actually want to believe this bullshit. This is Patrick Mahomes after he accepts his MVP honors. And this is in 2018, by the way, after he won his MVP. I'm truly honored to win the NFL's Most Valuable Player Award. When you look at this award, you see the rich history that it has. You see guys like Elway and Favre, Manny and Brady, and many more. And I'm, I'm so humbled that I can be sharing, sharing this prestigious honor with them. This season was special, and there was a lot of people that helped me get to this point. First, I, I just want to thank God, because without him, none of this would even be here. Next, I, I want to thank my family, my mom and dad, my brother and sister who aren't here, and, and my rock, Brittany, who keeps this show rolling every single day. to thank the Chiefs organization for believing in me, the Hunt family, uh, Brett Veach, my coaches, Coach Reed, Coach Kafka, Coach Vietnami, and most of all the players. I mean, they give me their all every single day, and this is a award for all of us. Thank you all. <laughs> Last, I want to thank Chiefs Kingdom. Exactly. Your passion and love is unmatched. You're here no matter when and where. This is just the beginning. We have a long ways to go. Thank you. I also, prick. I also want to play one more thing, and it's actually a lot shorter, but it's something else. This is after, because I'm playing stuff after Patrick Mahomes' greatest feats as an NFL player. And what the first words that are coming out of his mouth when he talks about these things. This is after Patrick Mahomes wins his first Super Bowl in Super Bowl uh, 54. I mean, there's, there's several guys that can be the face of the NFL. I mean, I think that's just with the NFL and how good the play is, the quarterback play. I mean, guys can come in year in and year out and go out there and, and, and play great football. I mean, Lamar was the unanimous MVP last night, and he had one of the, the best seasons of all time as a quarterback position. And so there's guys like that, it seems like, every single year, a lot of young quarterbacks, still a lot of veteran guys that, that are playing very at a very high level. And so I just try to be the best Patrick Mahomes I can be and uh, try to win football games with, with the guys I have around me. This is after Patrick Mahomes wins his MVP. This is Patrick Mahomes after he wins a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. And he's talking about everybody but himself. And the only times he brings himself up is when he talks about being at his best for everybody else. And this is just the football side of it. Because this bullshit article attacked the man, attacked the character of the man. And I don't know if anybody's been paying attention but Patrick Mahomes has this foundation called the 15 and Mahomes. Why don't you go look that up and, sh and, and see how much money, how many millions of dollars that's raised for unfortunate lives, for, the, uh, for children that have had unfortunate events and lives uh, experiences in their early lives. Why don't you go look at how many times Patrick Mahomes is in the hospital visiting, visiting the cancer patients. And I'm not even trying to sit here and champion for Patrick Mahomes and try to make a case for him. I'm just stating the facts since this jackass wants to make an opinion piece and the Kansas City Star wants to make wants to promote that piece that only, like I said, is less than 100 words. 
to get clicks. Full disclosure here, and I know the people that have been following know this, but they've seen some of the family members of Patrick Mahomes on this on this show. I know the Mahomes family very well. Trevor and I, we know, we know them. And I don't say this just because I have a personal relationship with them. I have I, I say this because it's the truth. They are some of the best people I've ever met. They are kind. They are loving. They are. I've been at, at Arrowhead with these people, and and literally people are flocking to the Mahomes family, and they are gracious to every single person that comes towards them. That is not something you can just fake at all times. That shit would get old after a while, man. Even myself, as friendly and outgoing of a person I like to consider myself, I would get tired of it. And these people handle it with grace and with character and with love, and they've embraced this city. Like, Patrick Mahomes is everything we wanted on the field and off the field. This guy's a family man that, that never gets himself in trouble, never puts himself in harm's way, never puts his his family or his his uh, his franchise in a bad position and makes anybody look bad. This guy has only done the right thing. Even if I wasn't a Chiefs fan, even if he wasn't a Chief, I would be saying these things. Because it's the truth. And I am ashamed of 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 some of an of a newspaper, a legendary once legendary newspaper that represented my city, to be this low, to be this disgusting, fucking disgusting, man. And for that, because I've gone on enough and more than I probably should, honestly, but I feel more justified about going off about this than anything else I've ever talked about on this show, because it is the most absurd shit we've ever had to acknowledge on this show. Kansas City Star. I hope you guys go away, man. I've never been one that wants to see people fail and lose things, but I cannot wait for the day that you are no longer a thing. You guys are a, you guys are a disgrace. Do me a solid, Kansas City Star, and hold this L. It's pretty bad. You know what's going to be bad? It's the Bucks' offense this week against the Chiefs' defense. How many picks? That's what's going to be bad. I'm calling one. Okay. I'm calling one. Brady isn't a guy that throws a tons of – he doesn't throw a ton of picks. He, you, you, said, know, you said Eric Reed, right? Might get Justin Reed. I'd say just, Justin, yeah, Justin I Reed. Say Eric, Reed. Eric, Eric Reed was a safety, too, so he was a good player. Uh, no, Justin Reed I, I think is going to make that pick, but I, I, I'll be happy no matter who. Maybe it's Jalen Watson again. You know, Watson, yes. Hey. Who knows, man? But Regardless, I, I'm very confident the Chiefs are going to put week three behind them and go out there and have a definitive victory against the Buccaneers. Got to. And I, and I think we're going to be feeling much better about ourselves, especially when you consider the fact the Chiefs come back home in a prime time again against a team that's considered their children in the Las Vegas Raiders. Good things are coming, guys. Good things are coming. We got a lot of good football ahead of us here in Kansas City, and it's just a great thing to be talking football regardless. And I hope you guys have enjoyed the show today. We got a lot to get to. If you've not already, like I said, at the top of the show, I'll say at the bottom of the show, go ahead and hit subscribe on our YouTube channel. We'd really appreciate it, man. We're trying to grow that thing as much as we can. We also have our shirts out there as well. If you guys want to buy it, it's on all of our platforms. You can find them right there. All the links are on there. We have two shirts available right now. We will have more as the time goes on. But again, I appreciate all you guys for what you do already for us, and we continue to grow this thing. And we appreciate Starcade Media for allowing us to use, use their platforms and post our shows on there. Got some good shit, good shit going, guys. I hope you guys had fun today. For the missing Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who will be back this next week to talk Chiefs and Raiders. My guy Trevor Twidwell, for everything he brought today, he was playing a little bit sick today. He toughed it out, and he definitely brought his uh, his flu game, or as we like to call it, the MJ Bad Pizza out late gambling and drinking and smoking cigars all night game. We are appreciative of all you guys for Clay Windler who puts all this stuff together on the back end as our producer. We can't do it without him. And for everybody else that puts this together, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 186 of the Spoken Podcast is done, finished, and finito. And so we're here for 187. 
We out of this bitch. Later. We're gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.